morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you? Hello. I'm fantabulous. Happy Friday. First yeah. Friday. Yeah. I like when Friday's like sunny when you wake up too. Like, that is nice. Good know. feeling. Yeah. Good vibes. Yeah, what do you got for us this morning? All right. So we've got uh, a little bit of follow-up on our story that we covered earlier in the week from the, uh, remember the concert over the weekend? That really mm-hmm. garnished a lot of Next attention that happened on Friday. Mm. Well, um, it's still trending all over the place between TikTok and Instagram. People are making video comments. <clears throat> and Dance Hall Magazine, which is one of the magazines that's, I guess, sort of paid attention to if you're in that genre, has said that maybe it's time that Daxter, Daxta, Daxta Dax, um, decides to stop allowing women to come on stage. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, this isn't the first time a woman has thrown an undergarment onto the stage. But that's not what she did. This lady actually got on stage and well, attempted yeah. to put it on him physically, which a lot of people saw as, you know, a different situation. Some people are calling it an assault. I mean, obviously, he isn't. He only had her escorted from the venue. Assaulted by underwear? Well, I mean, it's if it's unwanted. It's unwanted. Yes, of course that would be assault. No means no, Blake. I thought no means maybe. Yeah. No. No. It sure no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but anyway, is he really that? Point being, that? it's really it's trending all over the place still, and um, you know, some people are saying maybe it's time that he took control um, of his own concerts and of his venue and try to put some restrictions in place. I mean, have you ever heard the line? Have you ever heard the line? Are you digging a hole deeper for yourself? Ladies, ladies love me. Girls adore me. I mean, even the ones that never saw me like the way that I rhyme that is so. The reason why I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. Just oh, two, my God. Six, two, Wait, how long have you been, been waiting to uh, throw that at us? <laughs> I, feel like you, I feel like you've been waiting all year to just say that to us. It's a song game out. No, so I don't get this because I was gone. So, wait, basically, like. Does he bring people up on stage? The to ladies dance? love him. Yes. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they, and, they and, jump on stage. Um, he woman, doesn't discourage it for sure. Mm-hmm. A woman took the underwear off and tried to put him on his head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, you know, he's, he's, I don't know if she brought him in the purse. I don't know if they came off. Yeah. You know, um, from, from what we, what we've heard, it was like her, um, her do rag or whatever. Like she walked with it. So they were not being worn at the time, which is good. Thank God. That is great news. I mean, like, <laughs> listen. Less of an assault. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there. I don't know. At least you're what not being assaulted is. with bodily fluids. But at concerts, yeah. people throw yeah. bras and beers. Beers. That's and what I'm saying. Things on stage. I mean, you shouldn't throw anything on the stage. Right. Except for like, you know, but you're I an think Aerosmith, it used to be, or, well, no, he, Aerosmith, what was it? The band Hinder? Oh, terrible band. Anyway. But they, uh, he would hang women's bras from his mic stand, like like Steven Tyler would hang uh, scarves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. So, hey. I don't know. So, give her just, so then that, the Hinder thing, they would throw it up more because he had it there. Blah. Yeah. So listen, um, Public Health and the Department of Education Services is reminding people, especially students, to ensure that they are following the protocols for educational institutions. This is after a bit of an outbreak of COVID on the BRAC. So our sources have said 20 plus cases, um, mostly students. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, families related to the students and a few others have gotten it as well. Um, we haven't actually gotten any COVID numbers recently. I don't feel like that's a thing anymore, <laughs> but um, regardless of that, uh, students affected at Lehman Scott High School 
West End Primary, Creek and Spot Bay Primary Schools. And DES, which is the Department of Education, is saying, listen, just remember what the safety protocols are. Um, you know, you've got to report the positive result to public health uh, and the institution, so the school that you go to, um, conduct a confirmatory PCR test and isolate for six days. And then obviously um, on the seventh day, you can leave isolation and return to your educational institution, provided you're no longer sim symptomatic. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, people aren't doing that. And that's why it's kind of spreading like wildfire in the bronc at the moment. Ah. Mm. Well, it's hard because especially in like young kids classes, mm -hmm. they all, I mean, mm -hmm. even here, everyone, like all the young kids end up still playing together or somehow on the weekends or yeah. after schools and it's just how Absolutely. it goes around. And, you know, mm -hmm. young kids are still learning how to, how to control the hand washing and they don't, mm -hmm. they don't, yeah, I mean, if it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still, it's still very Let's much with hope us. they don't bring it home to someone who's, and Miles is in know. a licking phase. He just likes to lick everything. <laughs> yeah. He licked our window the oh, other yeah. day. I was exactly. like, what are you doing? Yeah, no. Nah. Uh, yeah. Thank God when they kind of get a Why little bit of dirt. Yeah. Don't lick the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Then like soap. I was like, well, this is going to hinder any uh, issues back in when I have to wash your mouth out with soap. Yeah. <laughs> I like it already. So the Honorable Kenneth Bryan, Minister of Tourism and Transport, was on hand recently to oversee the donation of thousands of lateral flow tests to the Department of Children and Family Services. Mm -hmm. So the donation was for over 90,000 testing kits transferred from the ministry um, and Department of Tourism to DCFS. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's going to ensure that um, residential customers and DCFS staff have adequate resources for biweekly testing. So, yeah, people are still, you know, there's a lot of people who are still high risk. And um, obviously the new COVID vaccine, the amended COVID vaccine is, is out and should be available shortly um, overseas. We're hoping that means it's going to be available shortly here as well. Um, but, yeah. I'll take that booster. Okay. All right. Big congratulations to Kristen. Um, Martin, Kristen is a young lady uh, with special needs. Um, she has uh, Asperger and she is now working, um, doing a bit of an internship at the Department of Labor and Pensions. And she, uh, as a summer intern, she said that she's um, you know, really, really pleased to be starting out this position as an administrative support assistant, which she did over the summer in July, and uh, that it's allowed her to build her confidence. Now, I've had the opportunity to interview Kristen because she's also doing the Resembled program um, at UCCI. She's doing tourism. And um, yeah, very, very proud of Kristen. So congratulations to her and her family, who, especially her mom, is her, you know, just her rock and offers her amazing support. Great. And um, even though she has some challenges because of this disability, she is just a very, very focused young lady. And this is fantastic news. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Integration cool. of people with special needs. Love to see it. Absolutely. All right. So those are some of your news headlines for this Friday. All right. What you got planned for the weekend? Anything fun? Um, working a little bit tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay. We got a couple interviews set up and I'll be doing some cultural related stuff. So hanging out with, um, there's a group that meets every first Saturday of the month in Georgetown and they do a lot of stuff at Cayman Culture. And so I'll be there tomorrow. Awesome. All righty. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, enjoy the weekend. Uh, catch Sandy's show coming up in one minute on Bobo 89.1 FM. We'll see you on Monday. Okay, fantastic. All right, folks, we are going to kick it off here in just a couple seconds. So good morning to everyone.
How is everybody doing? Let me play a little snippet of our national song until we're ready. Ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> oh my gosh, that frog always seems to come uh, just as I'm about to start in my voice, making me sound like a little old lady. So, um, <clears throat> good morning, one, and good morning, all. Thank you guys so much for tuning in every single morning. Everywhere I go now, I was at the grocery store yesterday. Yes, I go to the grocery store. And um, I saw a few people, and they were like, Oh, Miss Sandy, thank you so much. You know, here's another topic for you. And I was like, all right, man, we got so many topics that we need to uh, to be getting through. Lots happening for such a small community, I must tell you. Um, Sundays, my apologies, just trying to move a little wire over here. Yeah, some days I'm just like, boy, okay, man, we, we, we hot, but topics, not, not any shortage of those. Um, someone was asked me to bring up something else. And I said, wow, I got to put that on the agenda. Because I, I got so many things this week. This has been a, a busy week for topics, I feel like. Like, there's just a lot happening. But, um, yeah, you know, that's that's how it is. That's how it works. So we're here for it, of course. And thank you guys so much for letting me know your concerns. Um, we, we try to be a little bit organized here on the program with uh, some of the topics that we are covering. And sometimes it takes a little bit of research and that's why you don't see me always jumping on something immediately because I'm actually doing my homework, honey, Jill. Yes, got stuff going on in the background. Y'all be surprised. I know y'all be surprised. Like, oh, Sandy's digging. Yes, I be digging. I'm, I'm like a little digging monster. All right, so let's see who's with us this morning, this beautiful Friday morning. Good morning, Miss Vernita. I see you there. She's sending out some positivity and some blessings into the air. Marshall is joining us from North Carolina. Felicia's got it locked. She says, good morning, Sandy. Uh, the beautiful Diamond Princess says, hello. Good morning, lovely people. How are you doing? Yes. Miss Iva, <clears throat> wishing everyone a happy Friday. 
and she's asking for everyone to be safe on the roadways. Gosh, sometimes I feel like that's a, that's a tall order, child, because our people, when it comes to safety, I just don't know. I, 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 I question. I question our ability, <laughs> but we must have faith. We must have faith that uh, some of us will learn how to drive better. Someone sent me a, a car video yesterday, someone running over a little plant. And they're like, it's minor, but you know, it just proves your point about the drivers. <laughs> just like, it sure does. Thank God it wasn't a person, <clears throat> a child or a dog that got ran over. Um, you know, yesterday a lady reached out to me and said that someone stole the sensor on her car. Now, you know, a lot of newer cars have these sensors and uh, they're actually quite useful, especially when you're backing up. Because there are times when something is in your blind spot and you can't see it and um, <clears throat> the sensors will warn you. Uh, hey, sometimes they warn you of people who are just being uh, very, very reckless in how they um, walk around the place. Like I'll see people walking behind a car in a parking lot after the car started backing up. They do it to me sometimes too. And, you know, all of a sudden you're having to pump the brakes real quick. And I think to myself, have they ever seen a car in the hospital? Because I haven't. Have you? So, you know, you also have an obligation to be careful <laughs> and uh, take your time. Do not just randomly walk behind cars because, my gosh, you might get hit by a car and end up in the hospital. But yeah, they'd be walking like they're they're fearless. They're like, oh, I'm going to hurt the car. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, do you know how well that's going to work out for you? But I'm pretty sure I've never seen a car in the hospital. Uh -uh. Nope. So um, I do want to thank our guests on uh, yesterday, yesterday's show, the premiere, uh, premiere Hanson, as well as um, Tiz from Recover. Now, um, you know, the premiere was doing, um, he was doing Wednesday. So we had like a premiere access on Wednesday evenings and he had committed to doing twice a week, uh, twice a week, no, twice per month, every other Wednesday on the program. And then it occurred to me that we need to really have him on the morning show. I'm like, a lot of y'all, I don't know if you'd be sleeping at seven o'clock in the evenings or you're just busy. Um, although you seem to go back and watch it in real time, you're not watching it. So maybe it is your bedtime or maybe you've got kids and you kind of get, you know, things get crazy in the evening hours. And I know that you're here in the mornings, you're here for it. So I thought, you know what, let's switch up, up a little bit and let's have him come on the morning show. And, um, you know, he had an hour block of time. He came on. He went into an hour and almost 40, 45 minutes. And a lot of you were like, oh, make him stay another five minutes. He's got another five minutes for us. And listen, I try to be respectful of people's time. If people say I have an hour and he always um, cuts cars out of an amount of time for us. And he always goes into overtime. <laughs> so I'm always very, very thankful for his graciousness in terms of that. These persons individuals, um, MPs, I will admit that they are very, very busy. They have a lot of obligations. I don't know what else he had planned for the day. He might have, you know, needed to be somewhere else, but I just wanted to put it out there that the premier is not someone who is, um, who is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
who is a miser with his time. He's not that person. He's very, very gracious with his time. And he has demonstrated that, um, you know, on more than one occasion. Sometimes he, like he was talking about when they did that, that survey and he was at the, um, the resiliency meeting or whatever it was, he actually left a meeting at the town hall, came and did the show, went back to the meeting at the town hall. And, you know, this was like in, in the evening hours. So I'm appreciative. And we also had another guest that I was not going to impose on him any further because we also had another guest who was being very, very gracious with her time. And she's a professional attorney. I'm sure she could, she has a lot more things that she could be doing. And, you know, she was sitting in the back room for almost 40 minutes. And so um, despite the fact that I saw a few of you were like, oh, tell him to stay five more minutes. He's got five more minutes for us. It's not really about him having five more minutes for us. It's about us really being respectful of a little bit of structure at times and, um, you know, appreciating that gracefulness that people um, are willing to give us when they're in the back room waiting for their turn. And she was supposed to be on at nine o'clock and she didn't come on until about 940. And then I had to beg the radio guys to give me a little bit extra time in the radio um, to go into overtime as well. So, yep, there's a lot of things happening in the background. Um, I know you guys are not always aware of the arrangements and what's going on. So I just like to keep you updated as much as I can. So we're going to do, we're going to have him on uh, during the show. I've, I've made an executive decision that um, the morning show, I think, is a better slot. I know it's more difficult for him because a lot of times he does have engagements. And really, I think Thursday or Friday might be a better day because, you know, otherwise he's got caucus, he's got cabinet, he's got, you know, his days are full chuck of meetings. Um, and it takes a lot. I know you guys just want problems solved and resolved and you're like, get it done. It's urgent right now. Just put a solution in place. But in order for any of that to happen, uh, a lot of these MPs need to be meeting with their chief officers. They're meeting with board members. You know how many boards fall under them? And hey, you see what happens when they don't meet with board members. You got Mr. Jude Scott over here resigning, saying, hey, you're not meeting with me. You're not making me a priority. I'm out. Mm. Um, so there is there is a lot on their plate. And time management is something, a skill that is really, really important for persons who are in those types of positions. So just wanted to clear that up a little bit. It wasn't that the premier wasn't necessarily willing to stay. It's that he already had gone into about 40 minutes um, extended time from what he had uh, promised. <clears throat> and we already had someone else scheduled to come on as well. So yes. So thank you, Miss Charlene. She says, good morning, Sandra and lovely host. Or, good morning, Cayman and lovely host, Sandra. Thank you so much. Denise is here. Uh, congratulating Kristen. Yes. So proud of um, this young lady. In case you missed it, uh, Kristen is um, a special needs young lady who has uh, done an internship over the summer with um, the Department of Labor and Pensions. And she was working as an admin support assistant. And, um, you know, she has Asperger's. And I tell you what, um, Kristen, uh, it, it makes such a big difference when you have support in your life, whether you have something like Asperger's or not. You could just, just a normal kid needs uh, support in their lives, folks. And, you know, I just, my hat's off to Kristen's mom. Everywhere I see Kristen, I see her mom there as her cheerleader. And I think that that's so incredibly uh, important. Yesterday, I was sharing with you guys a little bit <clears throat> about my own personal journey in life. 
And a lot of you may not know this story, but I told you a snippet of it yesterday as uh, I was informed that um, a certain individual who was a principal at Georgetown Primary at the time told my parents that, oh, she needs to be put in Lighthouse School. That's how slow Sandra is. And thank God my father in particular didn't listen to that nonsense. He was like, mm, maybe I just need to get her out of this environment and send her to my sister in the States. And boom, what, what an amazing difference, a structured environment. Now, my aunt was super strict. So I went from one extreme to the next. And I must tell you, as a child, even at the age of I uh, just turned nine years old, that would not have been an easy transition. There was a lot of difficult times um, for a number of different reasons. But, you know, in the end, I'm still grateful for having had that structure. And I'm a person who believes in discipline and structure as a result of that. You know, it, it yeah, <laughs> it's it's a winner. And I have a lot of people um, say to me, now I'm not disciplined with everything like my diet as I should be. But a lot of people say to me, man, Sandy, you know, you get so much done and people look at the three, four degrees that I have and they're like, have you been able to do this? And you're just like, I have a, I have a reputation for being really tenacious. Like, you're not going to stop me once I decide that I'm going to do something in life. And so a lot of my friends over the years have come right in and asked me, where do you get that from? Like, where do you think it comes from? And I've had to think about it. Part of me is like, you know, I think is a, it's a little bit like innate, like it's just in you. But if you don't have the right environment that you're in, um, you know, having that nurtured and showing you how to pull it together, it's, it's not going to matter. It really, really isn't going to matter. And so I've had people who were very, very instrumental throughout my life that I felt like were placed there at really, really important times to send me the right message and to really push me in a more positive direction. You know, my aunt was an academic in any way, um, as y'all would say, not everybody's academically inclined. I don't believe that, but she, you know, she grew up in a environment at a time when uh, those types of things were not available to her. You know, she worked uh, in a family business. Her father in the States had a business and then she was a homemaker. So she stayed home. She had one son and, you know, she raised her son and got up. She was, she was the parent that got up every day breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She cooked and cleaned and did laundry and did all of those things. Um, made sure you were out the door presentable with a full stomach of food. And uh, But even just providing the home environment that was a lot more structured was something that I really, really uh, was in need of. And so I have my cousin who's 10 years older than me. I always say that he is the proverbial example of how to set a goal and never achieve it. Cause he, I think, I think my cousin's still going to university child. He never did get that, that degree at USF or wherever the heck he was going at the time. Um, because, you know, he was taking one, one class here, there, and, you know, he's probably going out on dates and doing other things. So, but I, I became very, very conscious at an early age, you know, when I was in high school, that education matters. Education is important. Uh, for some people, it's just a piece of paper. But for a lot of us, it is a piece of paper that's going to open up windows and doors and opportunities for you. And then you have to really push and forge your way forward. Um, like I said, sometimes I have a sense of guilt because I have other siblings who I feel like they didn't have that opportunity to get that piece of paper, to be in that 
environment that was um, a lot more structured and conducive to, you know, attaining certain goals in life. But, you know, I also have to recognize that I was a child and there wasn't a whole lot that I could do about giving other people opportunities. So, you know, as, as an adult, like I said, especially when it really, really started to matter uh, as I got into high school, my high school years, I said, okay, now it's time to buckle down. You know, my books are here. I've got to study. So there were days, oh my God, I'd walk home with a handful of books. Ugh, they were so heavy. And, you know, I, I was very, very um, structured with my time. Like I, down to the minute, <laughs> I was structured. Like it was a little bit regimented. Like I would get home and um, my aunt always had a little after school snack ready for me. I would have my afternoon snack. And then I would watch maybe about half an hour of TV to kind of decompress with her. We used to love to watch Days of Our Lives. That was like our thing at the time. And then I would hit the books. So, you know, I had my, my structure and I would, listen, it, it was serious times because I understood whatever happened in elementary school, middle school, that was your foundation. Now you're in high school. What you do now impacts your GPA for real and your ability to get into a good university and, you know, all these other things. And there were roadblocks along the way. I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody that this was an easy journey. It was a really challenging journey um, financially. So I had a few uh, scholarships. I actually got a scholarship from a law firm, ironically enough, for a um, an essay that I'd written. I won an essay competition. So I was out there hustling and doing my thing. You know, my aunt wasn't necessarily like super, you know, she had she was average I would say um, maybe average middle class, I think, um, you know, and I never wanted necessarily for very much, but at the same time, I'm like tuition money. It's not cheap. And at the time I was considered an international student, although I'd been in the States for a number of years, my aunt never understood that she needed to do something to change my status from an international student. So I remained on that and then the law firm, funny enough, that I won the scholarship with, once they found out about my predicament, because international tuition is like four times in-state tuition, at least four times in-state tuition, right? So that's a lot of money. And they were like, ooh, um, they had an immigration division of their law firm. And they said, you know, let us see what we can do. And they um, assisted me in sort of changing my um, immigration status, at least for the purposes of the university where they were willing to allow me um, to pay in-state tuition, which made a world of difference. And even then, folks, I'm not going to lie. I was I was on a serious hustle. You know, there were days in university. Um, I worked as, a, as an RA, which is a resident assistant, which means that I worked for my food and board. So when I became an adult, I uh, decided that I no longer wanted to live under the confines of my aunt's house because she was she was very... For all of her wonderful, the wonderful things about her, she was a control freak to an extreme degree. And, um, you know, as a young lady, I needed a little bit of freedom in my university life to just be able to make my own mistakes, to learn to do things. You know, she was um, at some point at Lottie was afraid of life. You know, she was afraid of everything. She she suffered from um, what's it called? Um, oh gosh, I can't think of the term right now. Um, but you know, if you sneeze, she was the one who had the cold kind of thing. Oh, you guys know what I'm talking about. It'll come to me in a second. But anyway, um, so she projected a lot of her fears and stuff on me. And I recognized, you know, even as a teenager 
that this was not something that was necessarily healthy for me and that we needed some distance. And I also looked at the relationship with her, a hypochondriac, that's the term I was thinking of. I also looked at the relationship with her and her son and the fact that here he is 10 years older than me and he's still living at home and he's still mama's boy and she's trying to keep track of his time like, I don't know what. So I thought to myself, mm, this is not where I want to be in 10 years. This isn't my life, <laughs> you know? So I had to separate myself from her and it was really difficult to do because she wouldn't, she literally would not let me leave. Now I'm going to go deep into some personal stuff this morning. Um, because this, as I'm talking about this, this is kind of bringing up some memories, but when I decided to move out, I literally left with like the clothes on my back because she, um, I thought that she could control me. <laughs> you know, she didn't get that memo that, oh, Sandy's going to mind her own honey jail. But she, when I, when it came down to it, I was like, okay, I'm leaving. She's like, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. And so she literally said, you cannot take anything with you if you leave. No clothes, no nothing. And I said, okay, I'm still leaving. I had a plan. I had already got my job as an RA coming up in the fall semester. And that would at least guarantee I had a safe place to live um, near campus, right across the street from the campus at the time, because this was a private dorm. And I would get, you know, a couple of square meals a day. And she said, you're not leaving. And I said, oh, well, wow, this is not going to be a good situation for anybody. And so, um, you know, she tried to force me to stay. And of course, at the age of 18, she couldn't, um, you know, and I had to, I had to make a really, really difficult call in that moment. And I had a few people who were helping me to move. And so I said, okay, keep everything. Doesn't matter. These are material things. Somehow I'll find clothes to wear, <laughs> you know, um, it, it'll, it'll work itself out. So when people talk about, you know, feeling a sense of like sometimes homelessness and these other struggles, I, I appreciate it more than, than people might actually realize. Um, and it was because I was putting my feet down saying that, listen, I need to make my own way in life. Uh, you're my aunt. I appreciate what you've done for me, but you know, I'm not here for you to control the rest of my life until the day that you were deceased and probably beyond. So, um, when she saw that the material things were not going to prevent me from leaving, then she's like, well, well, you can't leave without a sweater. And I was like, what's it going to be? You know what I'm saying? I'm leaving regardless. If you want to give me one or two things, I'm not out in the cold and whatever, then, you know, so we had a very, very strained um, relationship because I decided that as an adult, I needed to, to be an adult and to grow and to learn. And she, she wasn't, she would never have been ready for that if I hadn't pushed the envelope. And so I left. And for a number of years, um, our relationship was very, very strained, but she was the type of person who, you know, she, it was all or nothing. So she wanted complete control over your life to the point where she told you what you were going to wear, what you're going to do with your hair. Um, you know, everything, every movement of your life. If you were five minutes late off the school bus, it was a big question as to why, what happened, where were you? And it's like, I'm a university student. So my, this is my first year of university. I stayed home. And I was like, I was just standing up talking to somebody. Well, who were you talking to? It was just, it was extreme. And it's one of the reasons why in my adult life, anyone um, relationship wise that I saw 
had that type of personality, whether it was a boyfriend or friend or whatever, I moved away from them very, very quickly because it brought up a lot of really, really bad memories for me. I do not like people who are control freaks. Now, the irony of it is I, I am the type of person who is, has to be very, very careful because having grown up in that environment, I have a tendency to want to control situations and want to control people. This is the truth. And so I recognize that that came from myself being a victim of that same type of environment. Like you feel like, oh, you know, you, and you want to control this, you want to, and you can't, you just got to let things go. And so um, it was, it was challenging at times for all the things that she did. And then she would, she would, um, she would kind of guilt trip me. And um, what's this new fandangle term that you guys use? Gaslight me a little bit. <laughs> so then she would say things to me like, um, you know, she would say, you know, I, I've done all this stuff for you and then you're going to leave me. And so she tied in my successes um, of, you know, just my life, what I was doing, you know, I had done well in high school. And like I said yesterday, I was doing like AP classes and all this kind of stuff. But she was tying that into her completely and not really giving me any credit, which I mean, whatever. But the way that she was sort of gaslighting me is like making me feel guilty. Like if you leave me, that means that you never appreciated anything that I did. And I would say to her, no, if I leave you as an adult, that means you've actually done your job as a parent, as that parental role. You've done what you're supposed to do. I'm not supposed to stay with you forever. I'm supposed to go out on my own and make my own life and make my own way. And, you know, that's how life works. And unfortunately, she didn't grow up in that environment. I always tried to give her the benefit of the doubt that she did the best that she could um, in the circumstances. So she didn't grow up understanding that you leave home because she she really never left home. You know, her parents, um, her dad was there that she was with. Um, her My dad and her shared a mother. And her dad um, was from Jamaica and he eventually moved to the States and, you know, somehow she moved with him and his sister. And so they raised her and she grew up in the family business and whatever. And she never moved out. They lived and died and everybody was just right there together. So it was, it was hard for her to understand that um, that's not the way really that a lot of people sort of do it, that people need a sense of independence in order for them to grow. And that just wasn't happening. So it was, it was challenging. It was difficult. And what I want to say to um, young people is that, um, you know, sometimes you will buckhead with the people even that you care about and that you love, but you've got to stand your own ground. You've got to be your own person, whatever that is. And hopefully it's a better version of the generation before you, right? And, you know, she was always telling me, even when I decided to move back to Cayman, I told her about it. Oh, you know, I, I knew you would always go back and that you were leaving me. And I was like, I was like, Cayman is my home. Even, even though I left at the age of nine, I'm like, I love the Cayman Islands. My memories of Cayman, you know, what they are. And this isn't about you. This is about me. And it's about what opportunities I think are available to me. Go back home, connect with some other people, connect with family that didn't even really know who I was. And all these sorts of things. But she saw that as abandoning her. And it was just so sad, really. Um, you know, how she kind of felt about the situation. So Sasha's asking me, 
to share a picture of her. Uh, let me see. I know I've got one for sure. So, you know, um, relationships can be um, can be challenging. All sorts of relationships, trust me, are challenging. And, um, you know, let me see if I can find a picture of her. Uh, yeah. So um, she lived to be in her nineties. She was, she was quite something. I must tell you. Um, yeah, <laughs> she had a very interesting personality. But, but I do, you know, I try to take the positives from uh, that relationship because there was a lot of really good things that I did learn. And no, um, she was eighty-seven when she died, and so. Um, you know, it continues to, to shape who I am to this day, without a doubt. I'll show you a picture of her. And so, yes, I do talk about her often. And uh, I think about her often as well, obviously. So here's a picture. Let me just see if I can pull this up. Of what she looked like. Yeah, so um, there she is. That's Aunt Lottie. Now you can put a face to it. You're like, who the heck is this Aunt Lottie that Sanders always talking about? Um, that's her. Yeah. She ruled with an iron fist, y'all. Trust me, you didn't get much past her. Uh, you know, yeah, it is what it is. All right. Um, you know, the funny thing is in her older years, sometimes she'd, I'd call her and she'd call me the wrong name. So Marlon always used to laugh on the phone. He's like, oh, what did she call you today? <laughs> Because she, there was another um, young lady that she had kind of helped raise like way before I was in the picture. And she was like, um, the times I had called on the phone, she was like, is this Veronica? And I was like, nope, it's me. <laughs> so Charlotte joining us from the UK. And she says, good morning. I got told that my daughter from, I got told about my daughter from someone at Georgetown Primary. Um, and my daughter got five GCSE passes and started her A-levels here in Scotland. Yeah, parents, you have got to be the champion for your children, regardless of what people tell you. Um, you know, Damon is saying, you know, people can be very narcissistic and toxic. Yes. And listen, a lot of us grew up in, in toxic and narcissistic environments and toxic homes. Um, it might not mm -hmm. necessarily be physical abuse that you're dealing with. Um, but it's other things. And so um, it's making me a little bit teary-eyed this morning. I got to tell you the truth. But yes, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge to try to step away from those situations and to make a better path for yourself. And so adversity is nothing new to me is, is the point that I'm making here this morning. Uh, I've known it my entire life. And um, I know what it takes. Uh, Sasha says you were a very you were very brave to leave a typical Leo, and um, I do think that that is true. That you know it took a certain degree of bravery. I didn't always know the path and sort of where I would end up, but I knew that every little decision was important that I made. Every little decision, you know, it comes down to the micro decisions that we make in life. So. Um, the decision to stay away from bad company and not, not to get involved in drugs. And, you know, there were so many things that I could have done even to uh, 
put food on the table that I chose not to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I wasn't going to be the person out there um, on the streets doing whatever. I No, I'm like, I, I got to focus on my education. I, I would be calling my dad and like, hey, I've got tuition money that's due. You know, how can you help me? What, what are we going to do this, this term to pay um, tuition money? Um, you know, doing whatever I could, getting getting a job in university. I, there were times that I was working full-time in retail and also going to university because then I could earn a little bit of money and have, you know, I eventually got my own little apartment and all these other things. Listen, whatever the hustle was, as long as it was honest, legit, and I wasn't harming myself in, other way, in any way, and I wasn't harming other people. Um, I remember one time I had a job as one of these, um, oh God, like, like salespeople, but they call you in the phone. So these were the days before they would like block these types of callers, right? And um, you know, every time you'd make a sale or whatever, you'd get a little bit extra money in commission and, you know, whatever, whatever it took um, to make ends meet, um, you know, I encourage people to just try their best and don't let anybody label you or pigeonhole you or people are going to do it, but that doesn't define who you are. So those difficult times make, can make you a better person. It just depends on what you do with it. And so, yes, someone telling my dad to put me in lighthouse school was something that he didn't believe. He's like, no, there's nothing wrong with this child. That's crazy. And thank God that he at least had that much sense and that he didn't do it. He's like, no, she needs a change of environment. We have to be our children's biggest advocates. You know, even, even my daughter, um, she was one of her schools. Um, she got a report and they were like, oh, you know, she's not doing this and this in terms of her targets. I'm like, well, that's funny because she's doing it at home. But she's a little bit, she's a different personality. She can be very reserved and a little bit on the shy side. And what I realized that um, performance-wise, she was more comfortable at home. And there's certain things that she was doing with us at home that she wasn't necessarily doing at school. She would kind of sit there and be the daydreamer as a two-year-old, Right. And my husband is very, um, turns out he's the stricter parent in terms of, of like a lot of the structure and these types of things. And he's like, no, you know, she, academically, she's got to be did it. And I'm like, listen, hello, 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 back up. She's two years old. She's three years old. I'm like, back up. Y'all be stressing out these children. And I get it. I know we live in a competitive world and she will get there. But I don't think you need to be stressing a four-year-old about writing perfectly and, you know, ABCs and that. First of all, the type of learning that they're doing at that level that a lot of, um, that's why I love the Montessori school that we put her in. It's not just memorization. That, that's the most basic form of learning. Anybody can memorize and regurgitate something. And eventually those skills come. Uh, so the way in which they measure how a child is doing, I wasn't necessarily, um, I, you know, I would sit during the conference and be like, okay, thanks for the feedback, but I'm not going to take it to heart. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, she has a learning disability at the age of five. I'm just like, slow down. <laughs> she is a five-year-old. You know, if she has a moment where she loses control, she is five. Y'all need to relax. And so my husband's like, no, we need more structure. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on now. Structure is good and I'm all for it. But there is a little bit of a limit. You got you to gotta give and take with kids. And so I don't let anybody define what she's going to be. Because somebody tried to defy, do that to me, and it would have been, you know, a big catastrophe had they seceded. 
And so I think people come into their own. Some people, you know, academically even are uh, late bloomers, but if you're giving them the proper foundation and the proper environment and supporting them um, and, you know, it's really all about, um, I've expressed this a lot, this sort of gentler approach to parenting, uh, parenting that is all about um, love and positivity as opposed to always being negative with your children and putting them under all this undue pressure and stuff like that. And I've only adopted this modality, if you will, um, you know, later in life. And this is why I'm so thankful that I didn't have children when I was younger, because my approach would have been the same approach that was used with me, an iron fist. I'm going to beat you into submission, all this kind of stuff. So I am so thankful that I waited to have kids, you know, because that would have been the model that I would have been emulating. And now I know that that wasn't the right model. And it's just through the years of um, being an educator and forcing myself to constantly learn that I have realized um, that that wasn't really the way to go. So Marsha says she was beautiful. Yeah, she was, you know, she had, um, you know, she, like I said, ruled with an iron fist, but it, it came from, it came from a place of love. Like I never felt like there was any malice or anything like that. I knew that she was doing the best with what she had. And a lot of parents are in that situation. They're trying to do the best with what they have. And really it's about trying to get more tools in your little toolbox so that you know how to handle situations a little bit differently. So Ms. Brenda, good morning. She says adversities will make us or break us. It's our choice. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's not easy. Um, thank you, Lenny. Yes telemarketer. That would be the correct term for one of my um, in-between jobs that I had to try to make ends meet. Um, Louise says foundations is what we stand on as bringing up manners, behavior modification, et cetera. Hot mug morning. So um, Charlotte says that she was so glad that she didn't listen to that person about her daughter. Yeah. There are times when you have to say, uh-uh, as a parent, know your kids, right? Listen, there are a lot of times that people do identify something that's wrong with your children and they are experts and you need to take that on board, um, but ultimately be their advocate. Even if they have a special needs, it doesn't mean that their life has to stop, you know, like Kristen with Asperger. If she was in a different family, Kristen would be at home learning no skills, not, not being able to communicate with people, nothing. And I think that that is just so incredibly wrong. Like we have to whether you have a physical impairment, a mental or psychological impairment, you know, you can live um, a life of normalcy with the right uh, support system in place. And we have to really start pushing for our special needs community, um, you know, so much more. And it's only in recent times that Caymanians are even willing to admit that they have a child that has any issues at all. You know, for far too long, we were the ones who were hiding them in the house. Uh, and pretending like they didn't exist. And I take my hats off. Anytime I go out anywhere and I see someone in a wheelchair um, and they're with their family and their families, they're pushing them physically and beyond. Um, I, you know, really just take my hat, my hat off to those individuals. And I also try to get my daughter, even at her young age, to understand the importance of we're all different. We come with different abilities. And, um, you know, some people may have a, uh, you know, they're able, they're differently abled. And, you know, sometimes she'll look at someone in a wheelchair and she's like, why are they in a 
wheelchair. Like she doesn't really understand. And, you know, it can be different reasons. I try to make sure that she is understanding of people's differences and understanding of, you know, um, the fact that, yeah, she's going to see people who have different challenges than her. And she's just got to um, embrace those people the same way. So Salvin says in the Asian countries, school hours are more than the West and they're beating us at education. They pressure their children to be high achievers. How do you compare the two, one of pressure and the other of caressing? Well, I, I believe in balance, um, Salvin, personally. So I do feel like we have gone to the extreme now with the cuddling, um, where we over cuddle our children. And I've talked about this before, and I know that I've also mentioned a text that a book that's been written on this that I think every parent and everyone in the community probably needs to read. Um, over cuddling isn't the answer. And that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting balance is what is needed. So you need discipline, you need boundaries, you need limitations um, and all of those things. You need rules. Kids need to operate by rules. They don't do well in a free for all situation. Um, I think the application of the rules can be done in a way where it's not necessarily ruling with an iron fist. Asian cultures are, um, are very, very strict and they're very, very different. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times they also have a very high suicide rate for a reason because they, they go to extremes um, and it's all about the family more so than even what the individual wants. Like they don't care what you want to do in life. They don't care if you want to be an artist or a pianist or whatever. Um, there's this guy, he works at the HSA now. He used to work at Health City, Dr. Ernest uh, Zenger, I think is his last name. When I had my store in Pasadena Place, one day he came in, he's one of my customers and he came in and I had a little keyboard in there because we were doing like classes with the kids and whatever. And he came in and he sat on the keyboard and he started playing like a concert pianist. I mean, he's amazing. I was like, huh? I'm like, you're a doctor. Uh, what are you doing on the keyboard? And he said, oh, I took piano lessons forever and he's really good. Like he could be a professional. And he said, you know, I actually wanted to play this is my life dream was to be a pianist and whatever. But, you know, my parents like, no, you're going to become a doctor, you become a surgeon. And he's, you know, well accomplished in his, in his profession. He's a great surgeon and all that kind of stuff. But he's like, when I retire, maybe I'll come back to this. But, you know, I've got surgeon hands now. And I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> to, to love to play like he did. And I could tell. You can tell when that's somebody's passion. And there he is, like a little Beethoven or something, right? And I'm like, and you're a surgeon? You have missed your calling, but they believe in sacrificing um, for the family, first and foremost, and even the community before themselves. And, you know, I guess there, there's certain ways of looking at it. And I, I am more of the Western belief that you've got to be happy in who you are. You've got to be happy with yourself. And that's how you become a meaningful contributor um, to, to your community, right? So... I, sometimes I kind of think, and look at look at where I ended up. Here I was. Okay, I'm gonna be a lawyer. Law school, law school. From the age of nine, I wanted to be a lawyer, and that was my my life's goal. And turns and twists and rejections and all these other things have put me on a totally different path. But I believe that you're right where you're supposed to be. The path that I thought I was gonna end up on is not where I ended up on, and there you have it. So as Brenda says, some of the meanest people I had in my life were high school teachers. Thank God. I'm who I am today. They're ashamed. When they see me, no thanks to them, I could write a book on that. Isn't that sad? It really is sad. 
um, that that happens. And so, sometimes, you know, I had teachers who were, um, I had a few teachers who were very, very instrumental and amazing. Um, one gave me a book to this day that I still have. It's called Everything You You Need to um, Everything You Need to Learn You Learn in Kindergarten or something. I still have that book. And throughout the years, I can't remember what year she gave it to me, but I would never get rid of that book because that teacher, I can't remember her name now. I have to look at what she wrote in the book, but um, she was just such an amazing influence on me that um, I'm just pulling it out that I was like, you know what, you know, people can be um, all I really need to know. I learned in kindergarten, that's the name of the book. And she was just such an amazing person. Um, She gave this to me in 1991 and her name is Miss Garrett. Um, and so this was, here's my little book, by the way, still in pristine condition. And this is what she wrote. Look at her little handwritten note in there. Oh, what beautiful handwriting she had, I tell you. So this is what she said. She said, Sandy, you are a lovely, intelligent, wonderful person. I wish you the best of everything. And I'm grateful you came my way. Um, S. Sarat. I don't even know what her first name was, but, um, she was a really, really good teacher in high school. This would have been. And so um, this must have been my graduation gift. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, there are people like this who come into your life who are like super positive and they go out of their way to um, impact you in a really positive way. And, and we have the ability to do that for other people. And so Real Deal says Asian cultures are disciplined and they postpone self-gratification, something we in the West could benefit from. I think, again, it's all about balance. The ability to postpone self-gratification is actually one of the markers of um, a successful person. You don't need it now. This urgency, if I need everything right now, I need to be a millionaire right now. I need money right now. I need it. You know, that trips you up with your goal setting. So yes, um, knowing that you have to work towards things and, you know, you put off even some of your successes in life, they come in time. They don't happen right away. And you have to have a plan of action and just work it. And along the way, you're going to have a lot of failures. That's an important skill. I don't know that that equates to necessarily what happens in Asian cultures, which is you're never happy for yourself. You do what other people want for you. So you marry somebody else because your parents say this is who you need to marry. You know, it it has a way of um, having a completely different impact on your life. And for me, that's not balance. That's not, that's not a balanced situation. That's living with Aunt Lottie again, <laughs> where she is living her life vicariously through me and trying to control every element of my life. Never a healthy situation. Um, uh, okay. Let's let me see here. All right. So, um, Someone says, I've tried educating, this is some WhatsApp messages, I've tried educating my child in Cayman because my teen has a learning struggle. We're stuck at the only school that would take him because of it. It is very toxic there, and I don't feel it's for us um, toxic. I just want to say thank you for the continuation of your story from yesterday. As I've been thinking about sending my teen to boarding school to get a better education, and this morning show has helped me make the decision. Wow. The best part is my teen is ready to go. Thank you. And I use teen to hide my identity. If you read this, it's anonymous. Not a problem. You know, sometimes leaving home and going somewhere else is the best thing that you can do. 
It really, really is. And uh, if your child is able to get that support and structure overseas in a safe environment, don't be afraid to let your child go. Seriously. I've seen children who have had to go off to boarding school. They return to Cayman. They're able to integrate a lot easier. Um, so, you know, if you have to make that decision, it's never an easy decision, especially if it means that you're separating yourself from your child, you know, visit as much as you can. Hopefully the boarding school isn't halfway around the world and you're able to get on a plane and be there in an hour or two to be there for your children or for your, for your child. So yeah, it's, um, sometimes they're very, very tough decisions that we have to make for the sake of our own children and not, it's not about you. And it's not, you know, we hurt sometimes when we have to make these decisions. Um, so this person says that Aunt Lottie raised you right. It might've been rough, but it's, uh, it's those from, it's from those that instilled in us values and respect. By the way, you look just like her. <laughs> My grams was loving and firm. Hashtag, hashtag team Aunt Lottie. Um, somebody else says, thank you for sharing, baby girl. Yeah, it's not easy um, to share these things. I've got another person said, good talk this morning. I'm listening to you. Positive introspection, very personal. Um. Yeah, it's 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 not, listen, it's not easy for so many different reasons to share these personal stories. Uh, most of all, it kind of puts you, I feel like when I start talking about it, I'm that nine-year-old again. I'm that 10-year-old. I'm that 17-year-old who's so unsure of life, who's like afraid, okay, I'm going to do this, but oh my God, am I making a mistake moving out? Like, I don't know, you know? You, you go back there in your mind, but you have to recognize that a lot of years have passed and uh, I feel like I'm a better person for every single experience, right? And it is what it is. And it, it shapes us in so many different ways. So sometimes y'all see that I, I do have an element of me that's all about tough love and now you probably kind of understand exactly where that come from as well. Because, <laughs> you know, I grew up with some of that and I know that that has its place. It's not everything and that's not how you should be all the time. So you and your personality, I think you have to be fluid, um, especially when it comes to discipline and stuff like that. But yeah, it's um, this mother says that one of my sons was labeled with ADHD and ADD. I refuse to label them or create a stigma on them, no meds, just extra guidance and discipline. And one is graduating with projected seven passes, um, one, two, and three. And the other one starts at UCCI this term. Yeah, I do believe um, that, you know, this is, uh, this is like labels can, it depends on what it is, but labels can help you. So if your child does have HDHD, ADHD, then you need to know that because there are things that you can use, right, um, to assist your child. And I'm not anti-medication. I believe that depending on how severe it is, sometimes you need medication, just like if you're bipolar. And 
you know, if you have extreme bipolarism, you need that medication to get it under control, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like having a physical ailment. You might have to take medication for migraines or if you have high blood pressure, all these other things. And um, I'm not anti any of that stuff. I think you need to speak to professionals and you need to learn as much as you can um, about those types of um, disorders. I had someone in my personal life who suffered from ADHD and I didn't know it until I was well into the relationship. And when I realized it, it all made sense. And then, you know, when I talked to his mom and she was like, oh yeah, you know, as a kid, we had him on Ritalin and what a world of difference it made, but he wouldn't stay on it. I thought, oh, wow. Wish I'd known that before. But um, it, it had a lot of things make sense. Yeah, a lot of things. We struggle. We struggle as parents to try to do the right thing by our kids. We struggle as uh, wives, as siblings. You know, nobody ever said that life was going to be easy. And if they told you that, they lied to you. We struggle as members of this community. Like, what are some of the things that we need to do to make it a better place for not just ourselves, but for other people? And so life can be um, really, really complex. So Ms. Sue says lots of parents here send their kids to boarding school uh, way too young to the UK and they're not happy. So really sad. Like, I think it's a conversation. Like, I don't believe that you send your children away without having a conversation. And again, let me have a moment of honesty with you all this morning. Back in the day when I got sent away at the age of nine, Parents didn't have conversations with you, really, right? So all I knew is we were going to this big place called Miami. Next thing I knew is we were on a plane. And then uh, we were in front of this lady that I'd never seen in my life. She was a total stranger to me. This isn't a situation where I grew up knowing who my aunt was. I didn't know who this woman was. She was a stranger when I started living with her. Um, and so my dad was like, okay, you know, she's going to keep keep you guys. It was me, my sister, Susan. And she said she could only keep one. And she simply chose me because I was the youngest and she thought it'd be easier. Um, little did she know. <laughs> so, you know, that people didn't have conversations with you in those days. So I'm sure a lot of kids who've been off to boarding school, they never got the conversation about why it's happening or why we're doing it. They never even had a say in any of this. And I think you need to, to the parent who just messaged me about sending their child off, make sure that you have prepared your child adequately and um, you are in a position to um, have those conversations with your children. And it shouldn't be a one-off conversation. It should be a constant conversation of this is a really, really tough uh, decision and this, but this is why it's being made. And I'm doing it because I believe as a parent, although this is going to be the hardest thing in the world for me, I believe that this is going to make your life better. It's going to give you the tools that you need to have a better life, to have opportunities. And so, you know, I think we now live in an era where you can appreciate what I'm saying. Um, and that needs to happen. When you just throw children in a situation, they don't understand what's going on. They're confused. Sometimes you leave them with a sense of abandonment. I, I felt this. I was like, why am I here? 
does this mean that my parents don't love me? Like, why would they send me to live with this woman that I don't even know? Uh, and I really struggled with that for, you know, for a really long time. And I tell you the truth, it has a way of um, seeping back into your life, even as an adult. Because I often think to myself that there had to have been a better way of, um, you know, of just giving me an opportunity in life and sending me away with some woman that I don't even know. And so, absolutely, I missed out on growing up with my siblings and not getting to know cousins and all this sort of stuff. Because for my dad, that was the only thing that he knew to do. You know, and to be quite honest, a lot of times I was just like, it was really, really difficult. I was alone in an environment, you know, I'm, I'm there as a kid, I'm talking to people like they're like, oh, I don't even understand what you're saying. A little Caymanian kid with this Caymanian accent in a school full of American children. You know, I experienced my share of bullying because they didn't even understand what the hell I was saying. And I thought, I'm like, my mother should have done more. You know, I felt like my dad in the situation, especially being a man, did what he could. But I'm like, why, why is my mother not there for me? Why, why isn't she saying, okay, this is child number eight. I got I to gotta get things right by her. So even sometimes, you know, we don't understand our parents. We don't understand the situations that they were in. And uh, quite frankly, what they were going through. To this day, I can't tell you that I understand. You know, I've had to learn to just cope with it and to just do what I can. But don't ever allow your kids to feel like you have abandoned them. And sometimes it's not about the physical uh, things that you give them. It's not about that. It's just about you being there as a parent. You've you've got to, uh, you know, make sacrifices for your kids. And I get it. Sometimes the sacrifice means that you have to send them elsewhere and separate from them. But if if that's done without them understanding why you're doing it, they do feel like you've abandoned them. So Miss Sue, I completely understand exactly what it is that you're saying. That's, that's a real feeling. And there's nothing worse in the world for a child to feel like, their own parents have abandoned them. That maybe their parents never wanted them. Do your, do, you know, do my parents love me? It's tough. Nobody, like I said, nobody told you life was going to be easy. And so, for many, many years, um, I felt this. I felt like, you know, and it, and it wasn't just. Uh, because I was sent to stay with this total stranger. It was also that even when I was with her, there was no, granted, we didn't have WhatsApp and Zoom calls or whatever then, but 
there was no like, okay, let me pick up the phone and call Sandy. Uh, let me call my own daughter to see, you know, literally in the 15 years that I was away, I uh, had my mom visit twice. Once when I was living with my aunt and once when I was in university. And uh, quite frankly, she was coming to go shopping, <laughs> you know? And as a child, I, it, it wasn't lost on me as I got older, what was actually happening. And, and like I said, my aunt had her own insecurities she's projecting on me. And so when she would say stuff to me like, oh, your mom just came here and spent thousands of dollars on a shopping, um, on a shopping trip and didn't think to inquire about your care and does, does Sandra have a next meal coming? Do I need to leave a few dollars to help you care for her? It really did put a lot uh, into my head as a child. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Sam. It's Carmelie here. Um, I just want to say that I feel your pain as well. And the topic is very ticklish. Part uh, of the difference is as sisters, we all love each other. Uh, we might not all be the same, but we all went through the same phase that you went through in a different perspective. And because of that, I'm going to say it makes some decisions for some of us when we had kids and raising our kids and we had to get different type of mentors from other individuals to help us to raise our children in the way that they should be raised. And I want personally said, I thank a lot of people in the Cayman Islands named them out. Virginia Castillo was one of the individuals that played a big role in my life. And Miss um, Glida Forbes, the late Glida Forbes, played a big role in my life as well. I had, um, you know, Uncle Raymond played a role in my life. I had so much other family members that played big roles in our life. Except the mother love, my father was there. He played a great, huge role in our lives. But the topic of hitting for the mother, I always have to talk about and ask, how do I start to forgive um, someone? In, in other words, I'm going to use mother. How do I forgive my mother for the things that she has done? Uh, away from her kids and didn't pay them any mind and let she get back. We were all teenagers, we were grown, and at that point is when she tried to curb. It was, to me, at that stage, it was too late to do that. But I learned to, to, to learn to forgive, and I tried to understand by listening and, and, and people say, oh, but she had it rough because of this and she had it rough because of that. But the poor choices that she made allowed some of her children to also continue to make the choices that they have in their life. And I must say to you, I give my hat to our father. Um, 23 years, he's gone. And tomorrow, actually, the 3rd of September is his day. Um, I wish him all the best in heaven if he's looking down on us. Um, he's been gone 20 years now, with 20, 22 years. And I always reflect on him and say, if it wasn't for my father, where would I be? 
because there's not a mother love there to comfort me. Now that I'm marriage that I'm at, which in next Tuesday is my birthday, I still look at it and say, at this age group that I'm at, I'm struggling to make decisions in my life. I'm still, I, I'm learning not to make the poor decisions, but struggling to fit in the, the, the right decisions different from the poor decisions. So I'm still struggling with that aspect in my life. On the same time, I'm also struggling on saying, take up the differences, mom, I love you. I still love you because you brought me, you brought me into this world and you gave me life. But then it hurts. And a lot of people out there, especially us Caymanians back in my age group, we had a lot of struggles on. It was the village that actually raised us. Some things that we did not know. Our poor parents, or the neighbors, um, you know, they, they, they taught these things because our mother was not there to teach us these things. I will encourage everybody that's going through their struggles this morning to just, you know, try to bond. I went to Arnold over the weekend and I heard Mr. Kirk Kibbit, you know, said it's time for Caymanians to come back under one handle and bond with each other. Do not just wait till funerals or Christmases or whenever bond together, but bond on a daily basis. And that is what we're lacking over the years, the communication, the bond with each other. So nobody can't that person child if he's or her is doing wrong because if he goes home and tells mama or dad, they can cause the argument. The teachers back then could have schooled us. Bless his special heart. Um, he's passed and gone. My condolences to his family. Mr. Marshall, great inspiration in my life of Georgetown Primary School Day is coming up. And I thought to Mrs. Marshall was there for us as well. I look up to those people to get my inspiration from. So I understand your pain. I really understand your pain, my sister. And I'm saying to you, there comes a time that we have to break that that cycle which you have made that that breaking cycle but there's some things that you still need to go to break the cycle a little bit more i'll probably have to talk to you off air with it but we need to break the cycle in the cayman islands that we don't continue to have the struggles that we are going through in this country as caymanians middle age young age and of course the children is grow up and see you um, with all of these struggles that we go through and they think that it's okay, that's fine, that's the norm of the living, yeah, we can go through it, yeah, that's fine, it's okay. But it's not, it's really not. It puts a lot of pressure on you as a parent, couldn't raise your children the right way, so your children don't know how to raise their children the right way. They're trying their best to raise them in the right way that they can. So I just want to say to you this morning, Spite of all the differences, love you, love you to death, and always remember, God, God loves you. Put your tears to him, and he will understand the struggles that you're going through. You ask, I don't know why. I don't know why. We don't know why. I understand all of that. But just talk to God, and God will find it in your heart to learn to give. 
some way along the line. Sometimes it, you know, I sat down and talked to my mom, and I said, "Mommy, could you tell me why?" And all she did was cry. She couldn't explain. All she did was cry. She cried because she didn't know how to explain. And I just have to have it in my heart that whatever the struggle is that she went through, it probably be the poor decisions that she made in her life and passed it down to her children. Okay? So just, just I don't know. I try to make, I'm making peace with her because I meet her every day. I take her where she wants to go. If she calls, like this morning, I'm on my way in traffic to pick her up. She want to go to East End today. So I'm going to pick her up. She'll say nine o'clock to take her out to East End. Whatever she want to do for the day, it's my, it's her day. You understand? And just find, that's where I find my comfort. I just find my comfort by doing that for her. And saying whatever the circumstances, she's making it up every way. And I could tell you this, Sandra. She loves you. She loves you. She speaks of you every single day, in spite of the differences. I understand. I remember the trip that she made. I remember when Miss Jan came from Tampa and said, Pam, do you have anything to say about Cassandra? And I remember words that she said to Miss Jan, but I'm going to leave it just there. But then you, you're not going to get a closure. You're not going to get that closure unless you reach out. You know they get the answers that you want. But just reach out. Just just step out of your 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 comfort zone a little bit and just go sit down and have lunch with her. You know, you call it a mango tree. So you go and buy a little plate of food from mango tree. You go there and say, Pam, I brought some lunch for you. Just sit with her and have lunch. If you don't say nothing else, just make the, the, the pain. I understand the pain that you're going through. Sis. I really do understand the pain. But to ease that pain sometimes, you have to step out of your comfort zone. You understand? So just try to see if you could step out, try to make a difference as well. I know that you already made that difference for yourself and you're making it more even harder because you have your daughter, Gigi, such a sweet uh, niece, and you're doing your best and, and you're encouraging other people and stuff like that. But you have to make some more changes, Sandra. You have to step out of your comfort zone and you need to go and say, Mom, just if you even go say sorry, just go and say something, you know, to her. Say, I'm sorry. Uh, just, I don't know, just find something comforting. Sit there, just look at her, just smile, do something. I know that you tried and I know that it failed, but try again. And I can tell you, spite of the differences, you will find a little bit more comfort in the heart. And the heart is not going to be that heavy like how it is. I, I listened to you, and this is like the fourth time that you're talking about your situation, open it on public air, and, and each time I, I listen to it, I don't say anything. I try to just shut it down in my spirit and or lock off the, the, the talk show and say, I'm not even going to listen because I know the pain that she's feeling. I understand the pain that she's feeling. But this morning, I'm, I'm in the traffic, heading down. She's calling now, so she knows minutes to nine to go to pick her up, to take her where she has to go. And 
you talking and I'm listening and I'm saying to myself, my God, how can we try to get over this hurt as Caymanians? How can we try to get over the hurt? A lot of us are hurting and keeping it in behind closed doors. We're not letting it out. It's time for us to face these individuals and say, mom, dad, auntie, uncle, brother, sister, whoever you are, you hurt me in this way. And I feel that if you had made better choices, things could have been better, but it's already what it is. So therefore, therefore, let's make a difference. Let's be friends. I still love you. I care for you. You're my family. You're my friend. You're my neighbor. We're not like how we used to be in Cayman. I sat down and I, I, and I look at Christmases as Christmas. I remember the street that we used to live on. We would go down the road with plates to give neighbors. Neighbors would send up plates to us. So sometimes I always used to ask myself, why do we cook though? Because everybody was so loving and kind. I could go into somebody's house and sit down without them even questioning me where you want, where you come from, you come catch news. No, we wasn't living like that back in the days when Cayman. We were not living like that. Everybody was caring to everybody back in the days. It's just that the time has changed, the world has changed, the people have changed. But within yourself, you have to make those changes to you. And for you to make those changes to you, you have to accept Christ as your personal savior. That is between you and Christ. And you also have to pray and ask God for forgiveness. And sometimes we ask why. You need to let go the word why and just say, God, let your will be done. Have a good weekend, sis, and I'll catch up with you later. Love you. All right, Carla. Thank you very much. Um... You're welcome. So, folks, I'm just reading through uh, a number of your messages. Um, I've got a friend who just messaged and said, I'm watching and crying along with you. I didn't realize we were so alike. I went through the exact same thing, hun. Sent away several times and didn't understand why. And uh, just that I went away and lived in the States. Um, always alone. New kid at school. Bullied. Felt so alone. Went to live with family that I didn't know like that. Uh, and their mercy being blamed for everything their children, um, for every time their children cried. Tough conversation. Memories are deep, but really reflective. And um, mommy paid for the times with them and visited. And it was painful even so, just looking back. So uh, I, I, I realized that... Um, Everybody's journey is different. Uh, you know, that's Carmelie. Her, her journey as the eldest of, um, she's my eldest full sister, has been different than mine. And I think that everyone has to come to their own path of um, whatever reconciliation means for them. You know, so her path has been different. Um, I think it's been different for a number of different reasons. I do believe that her not leaving Cayman has probably made a difference because she has forged some sort of a relationship with um, her mother, although it would have been <laughs> tumultuous at times for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think that we, we all have to learn and come to a place in our own lives where we are comfortable with 
our path and the decisions that we're making. And so what I would say is a lot of us have individual struggles. A lot of us have um, become resilient because of those. Some of us have really tough hearts because we have been treated so poorly uh, by our own family members, which is so sad because you think that family is the one who should be there to protect you no matter what and to love you no matter what. And, you know, the toxic relationship, just because someone is family, doesn't mean that it's not a toxic relationship. And for me, the best thing that I could do is, is set boundaries, you know, to protect my own mental health and sanity as an adult. So there are a lot of family members that I do not care to have a relationship with. I, I try to be respectful. If I see them, I say, hello, how are you? Uh, over the years, I might have at different times attempted to, uh, and you can't force people into a relationship. You can't force people to love you. You can't force people to understand your journey. You know, you're, you're on your own journey and everybody has, I think, a unique element um, to to that journey, right? And at some point, maybe you recognize that your paths have crossed, but you're not meant to continue to be engaging with one another and to continue to be intertwined. And um, there's, there's a degree of acceptance that comes with something like that, that you understand that the best thing for me, and maybe even for that other person, is to let sleeping dogs lie and just move on in the best way that you can. So I can't change the past. I can't do anything about the circumstances that I was born in. You know, and I see it all the time, even in other families. I see how incredibly destructive it can be. And this is why I say to people, at my core, I believe in the importance of good families. And I think that as adults, the decisions that we're making, right? So when you decide uh, to have a child by a man who has demonstrated, for example, he's got five other children, he's demonstrated that he's really not a family man. And he doesn't care about being there for his kids. He's just a sperm donor. Don't get yourself, young ladies, in those situations because ultimately that's not going to bode well for you and your family and your children, most importantly. So children grow up, you know, feeling unwanted because no one is giving them the time of day. They have an absentee father or mother who, you know, feels like being out in the streets, playing Don Juan or whatever else it is that they're out there doing is somehow more important than just being committed to their family. Sometimes they're out there just working and making money and they still think that that's more important than being at home with your kids and spending time with your kids. So, you know, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult situation. And I guess I just want to say that we all deal with things in different ways and we have uh, perhaps similar struggles. I see a lot of you saying that you've went through um, similar situations I see um, Dean says that, um, Sandy, I felt hurt growing up as well. 
not the same as yours. I'm in my 60s and I don't know who my father is to this day. Sending love with teary eyes. Thank God you rose above your circumstances. I guess that's the ultimate message is that we can rise above anything uh, in life. Um, for me, no matter what you're going through in this moment, so I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this message, right? But right now, if you're going through something, there is light at the end of the tunnel. As long as you have life, right? You have to know that circumstances change. You just have to never give up. Giving up is not an option. So when people talk about where does your resilience come from? I've just grown up knowing that giving up isn't an option, no matter what it is. Whether it's setting up CMR as a one-woman show and having everybody thinking, oh, this is going to be a joke. This is never going to work. You know, no one's ever going to read this platform. Here we are. Number one talk show, number one news platform, reached over a million people on Facebook or two million. I don't even know what the number is in the last 28 days. You know, don't let people tell you, put you in a box about what you'll be able to accomplish or what you can do in life. You have life, then you have hope. You have hope, things will change. You just have to be on the right path in doing the things and manifesting those things and the changes that you want to see. Get rid of toxic people from your life. And I want to say this with all sincerity. I don't care who they are. Uh, you know, Carmely spoke about, you know, being thankful for certain people who've made a difference in her life. Her dad was in a difficult situation, but those were his choices as an adult that then put us in a bad situation, right? So as an adult man, he was a married man. And these are the, the social ills that, you know, when, when you see me here saying young people, young ladies, don't put yourself in these types of situations. It's because I know from personal experience what the fallout can be. He was a married man that made a decision to have children with my mother. She already had children from one marriage. And again, I don't know the complexities of their relationship. She was walking in the street one day to work and he gave her a ride and that was the end of it, <laughs> you know. Everybody made a decision. He made decisions that were poor decisions. He was disrespectful to his wife. And I've never felt like, you know, um, poor Miss Mabel to this day, she is an elderly lady. She has lived her life with a certain amount of grace. But, you know, let's be honest here. We live in the Cayman Islands. And there's shame that comes with your husband going out there and having children with another woman. And you and your own household have never had any children. There, there is real shame in that. And the people who were responsible for that behavior are my parents. Both of them were adults. And at some level, I can't excuse the behavior. I can understand, okay, I don't know what happened. You know, maybe she was emotionally downtrodden. He just came along. Right. We have all of these explanations, but it's not an excuse. As adults, we have to take some degree of accountability that even in our own moments of going through something, 
if we do something to hurt other people, we engage in relationships that are harmful, that are hurtful, and then we bring children into the equation. How, how, how does that help anybody? That doesn't help the next generation. You know, um, it's just, it creates a lot of, I've seen other kids who maybe it's only the one child that was had out of wedlock and then other children come along, the, the man gets remarried, all of a sudden he's a professional, you know, key manion, good job, whatever. And that first child, although they may have had the family support, always feels different. They're the bastard child. They always feel a sense of abandonment. Dean said, I don't even know who my dad is. You know how many people in Cayman have no clue who their fathers are? Yeah. And these are successful people. They're heading up organizations. Maybe some of them are even political figures. Mommy said, oh, this is my daddy, but, you know, nobody thinks that that's really him. Some of y'all have gone as far as getting a DNA test and then like, oops, that's not him. So we have all of these struggles. We have generations before us who have attempted to judge us by a very interesting standard when they themselves were not able to maintain that standard. They were out there doing the most. And now they're like, oh, these young people, young people. This has been going on a long time. What do they talk about? The sins of the fathers, right? The sins of the parents impacting the children. It is true that your decisions will impact your children. Your choices will impact your children. All I'm saying is, as adults, let's have a moment of clarity where we try, especially as we're getting older, to make better decisions. There are times when you just have to walk away from toxic relationships and it doesn't matter who it is. There's nothing more that can be done. Carmely's opinion is different in, on this front. I don't think that there's anything else for me to do. And I think that although people may have regrets and they may express that, you know, at some level they love me or they love a person or whatever, um, that connection that has never been established. What can you do? You can't roll back the hands of time. You cannot forge a relationship which takes a lifetime to establish and to develop these memories, whatever. You can't just forge that overnight. And sometimes if you try to force it and you try to, you know, bring someone to terms, it, it just... It just doesn't work, you know, and you're better off just um, coexisting from a distance. And that's the best that you can hope for. CE Bank says, uh, good morning, Sandra. Good morning, K-Man. Yes, family is the worst. I've had to say, no, I don't need you in my life. Sometimes that's very true. Sometimes family, you've, you've got friends who are more like family and who've been there more for you than uh, your actual family has been. So sometimes you create the family that you need in, in the moment, right? Scott says it's all about the right priorities. CE Banks also says, uh, all my family does is talk about me. So very sad indeed, they stay in their corner and I'm in mine. And uh, CE Banks, you know, I don't know your story, but 
sometimes that's what you have to do. You just have to keep the distance to keep the peace. And there's nothing more uh, that you can do about that. But you don't have to repeat the cycle. This is what I want to make very, very clear. Right? My daughter will never, as long as I'm alive, feel a sense of abandonment. I'm there. I'm present for her. Everything I do, every day I get up, there are days I don't feel like getting up and doing nothing. I get up and do it because of her. I don't have no bag of children because I'm like, no, I, I'm not going to make that same mistake. I've had all these children and you have some of them who are like, oh, I don't know you. Although you're my mother or my father, I don't have that relationship with you. I felt abandoned, you know, for the sake of what? For the community to say, oh yeah, well, you've, you've done your part. You've had children. That's not, that's not what it's about. Maria says forgiveness and acceptance not only sets you free, but opens your heart to accept people no matter how much they might've hurt you. And this really is the bottom line. But forgiveness and acceptance does not mean that you have to engage in relationships with people. There are other people that I talk to on a regular basis. They have family members who are addicted to drugs and they know, you know, if they bring that person into their lives, what they're exposing both themselves and their children to, and they're not going to do that. That doesn't mean that they don't love their parent. That doesn't mean that they've not forgiven them. They have. It's just that boundaries have got to be set. Miss Debbie says, this is the best show I've ever watched thus far. Thank you for sharing your story. Wow, Debbie, thank you. There's so many, um, you know, things I feel like on a daily basis that we sit here and talk about. And this wasn't meant to be the discussion today. We're supposed to be talking about concessions and all these higher, so-called higher level things. But listen, we can't get to the higher level discussions if we as individuals are broken are barely functional, barely capable, you know, uh, if we can't even cope with our own trauma and our own situations. I always say to people every day, help me with this. I got a lady right now. I'm trying to help her get her rental deposit back from a bad landlord, all these type of things. I can't be of help to anybody if I am not good. If I don't have clarity of mind, you know, if I can't find my own safe place, be grounded, all these things, I cannot help you. I cannot help this community. I couldn't get on this show and have a conversation about much of anything. So I have to make sure, I have to be a little bit selfish and make sure that I'm protecting myself first and foremost, and I'm doing things that are good for me. And uh, for whatever reason, we've ended up here this morning having this conversation. You know, last week, Friday, we had our little truth-telling Ruby, and I feel like we're having another very, very truthful moment again this morning. I'm like, where's my Ruby? I need my Ruby in my hand, right? I'm just being honest with you all to say that, listen, I am far from perfect. I've come a long way, baby. And we still got a long way to go. And I would hope until the day that I die, it's going to be about always improving, always becoming a better person. 
Thank you, Salvin. He says the definition of you should be influenced, uh, yes, um, by your environment, but defined by you. So, um, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge where we have come from, or individual journeys or individual stories. You know, I'm doing this series called K-Man Voices, and part of it is about our history, collective histories or individual histories or family histories. I actually have an interview scheduled with an elderly man tomorrow in West Bay. So if you know anyone, uh, we're looking to do the older people, you know, first for obvious reasons. But I think it's important sometimes for us to to sit down and to share our stories. Because a lot of people, I remember when I came back to Cayman, people were like, oh, I don't know who you are. Or they're like, oh, yeah, she's showing so sister or this person's daughter. But you don't know me. You don't know my story. You know, so even as I sit here every single morning, people think they know me. People are like, oh, yeah, I know her. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know my struggles. Right? And it's not really about me needing anyone to know or acknowledge that even. But sometimes you have to share it in order for people to have a little bit more of an understanding of where you're coming from. So when I say to people, yeah, I understand how you can be angry in life. I understand how you could easily turn to drugs. You, you don't think that I want to be the, the, the beauty queen with the thing on my head, walking around beating people up? Sometimes I legit feel like I could punch some people right in their faces. Yes, that's me. I have that sense sometimes about people. When people start talking certain foolishness to me, I'm like, you know what? I could knock you the hell out. <laughs> you know, I'm a George Towner. I came from that environment where in primary school, I was more likely to fight you in primary school than I would in high school. Because I was growing up in that toxic environment that I've referred to before. Listen to me, people. I have on my right leg a scar that I will take to my grave. You want to talk about how toxic my environment is before my dad removed me from it? I have a scar on my right thigh area where one of my sisters, I'm going to tell you which one, stabbed me with a pair of scissors. Now, y'all put that in perspective. I don't even know how old I was at the time. You want to talk about toxic environments and toxic households? Right? Yeah. That's violence. I know what I'm talking about. You don't think that I could have been an angry teenager or that I wasn't? And that I could have gone around taking that out on other people? And in some ways, I did take it out on other people. There have been relationships where I wasn't really nice to people. You know, I drew the line. I said, okay, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be that violent, uncontrollable person. Not that I couldn't have been. <laughs> it would have been the easier choice in life. Right? If you really reflect on uh, your life journey and, and where you have come from, some of us have made some 
real strides. And there, sometimes, you know, you might have a moment where you find yourself wanting to slide backwards and you got to like put, pump the brakes and say, no, 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 no. This, this can't be who I am. I've got to do better. Expect better. So when I see our young people struggling and I'll walk up to them, I say, young man, pull, pull it together. You're better than this. I know the households that you come from because I came from one myself. Walk around Georgetown with no shoes, poor. I understand the journey, right? I'm not unsympathetic to your situation. I get it. I know how you feel being in a situation that you have no control over because of decisions that your parents have made. I understand having your own grandmother call you a bastard child. I get that. I understand it. I understand favoritism within families, right? One set of children preferred over another. Oh, we don't, I don't like your dad as a grandmother, so therefore you are less to me. Grandparents are supposed to love you no matter what. They're supposed to be amazing people. A lot of us don't have that luxury of having had that type of love and normalcy in our lives. But for me, it's all about boundaries, right? So when I came back to Cayman, I'm going to tell you all something. You know, back in those days, we didn't have... Um, all these fandangling words now that we have. So we didn't know what a narcissist really was. You know, we didn't know when people were gaslighting you, even what that meant and whatever. Now we, we all, everybody is a physician, so we all got it. But I remember my aunt. I don't know if she's listening this morning. This is another aunt now. This is not Aunt Lottie Topsy. A lot of people know her by, we call her Aunt Adonia. She's tough. You know, we bucked heads over the years, but let me tell you something. She genuinely has a really good heart. And so even when I moved back to the Cayman Islands, I stayed with her for a bit until I could get a job and kind of get my footing. So when, when I came back, I didn't have a car or anything. So she's like, oh, you know, I'm going to take you around. One of the first people you should go see is go see your grandmother. And I was like, okay. Again, I don't remember people. I don't have a whole lot of memories of people. I left when I was really young. And to be quite frank, if I spoke to a therapist, they'd probably tell me that I blocked out a lot of my childhood because, you know, I was not willing to cope with it pre-going to the States. So I didn't have a whole lot of memories with her. I was like, all right, so we go along. This is where you're trying to rebuild these connections and these relationships. And I remember sitting down and listening to this woman talk and I was so shocked at the things that I heard. And I just quietly listened, made observations, and she said things that showed me her heart. And 
I walked away from that conversation and I never questioned what I heard that day. And I never questioned her heart. There was a darkness there. Because I am your granddaughter, the youngest. Well, I don't know. Would I be the youngest? No, she's got other kids. There might have been ones younger than me, I suppose. I don't even know. But one of the younger ones. I've just gotten back from the States, gone for 15 years. I have a university degree. Instead of her sitting there going, oh, you know, I'm so proud of you. You've done a great job. You're one of the few people in your immediate family, you know, who's been able to accomplish this. She told me, listen, listen to how this is going to get real now, right? She starts talking about another granddaughter, which would be one of my um, half siblings, and basically told me that, oh, you come back with a degree? So what? You're nobody. That doesn't mean anything. Your sister and so-and-so went off to school. She lived in the States while she was in university. That's how she knows how to drive when she goes to Miami. And I'm sitting there going, I didn't say anything about this. It was my aunt who was kind of like, oh, you know, she's back. She's finished her first degree. She's going to be going to law school. This isn't a competent, like in the mind of a 20 something year old, I'm sitting there going, this isn't a competition. Good for her. She has a degree. That's wonderful. Uh, what does that have to do with the price of rice in China? But this is a way of gaslighting me that a way of saying to me, oh, you've managed to get that piece of paper despite all the odds being against you, but it doesn't matter. As your grandmother, I don't care that you've accomplished this. I only care about this set of children because they're my favorites and I love them and you're a bastard child. That was the message. And she pretty much came out and said it. <laughs> I was flabbergasted to say the least. I was like, okay. I just bit my tongue because despite wanting to say so much in that moment, I'm like, nope, just this too shall pass. To have a sibling say to you, and again, young people, pay attention. Not every family member is going to be there for you. Not every family member is going to be your cheerleader. People want you to forget, perhaps even, some of your own life experiences as you move on, as you accomplish things. But I remember when I got my job at Maples and called her and they gave me a full scholarship to go to law school. A particular, I was at my aunt's house, a donor and a particular family member, a sibling runs in and says, um, they actually weren't coming to talk to me. They didn't know I was there. They were coming to talk to my aunt to convince my aunt to convince me to not take the job. Listen very carefully to this story. They run in, um, Adonia, Adonia, I need to talk to you. Da, da, da. And then when they saw me sitting there, it was like they saw a ghost. And it was like, what's going on? So they went and had a conversation with my aunt. My aunt comes back, listen, two of you are siblings. You need to have this conversation. She's like, I'm not getting into this. You tell your sister what you just told me. And the conversation was, you can't come and work at Maples and Calder, right? Because I work there. And when they find out that we're siblings, one of us is going to lose her job. And I was like, well, that's weird. 
Because if if that was such an important thing, don't you think they would have asked me? I mean, I am a Caymanian. Cayman is small. We have family members all over the place. If they were really that concerned about familiar relationships, wouldn't they have had that on the application? Wouldn't they have asked me? Like, I don't, I don't understand what this means. My own sibling who came from the same mother's crotch, I'm going to just put it to you very, very bluntly as a Caymanian, said to me, because you are Black, you will never get a scholarship from Maples and Calder. And I said, wow, this is weird. And at the same time, so incredibly deep. Yes, you're a couple shades lighter than me, but we came from the same mother. You have nappy black hair just like me. I mean, you keep it short to keep down the nappiness, but it's the same. What are you talking about? I couldn't understand it. And so my aunt's like, what are you going to do? And I said, Adonia, I'm not going to do anything. What do you want me to do? I got a job. I'm going to go there and do my best, try to work and see what opportunities they are. She's like, well, maybe she's right. And I said, but it doesn't make any sense. If that was the case. Now, here's the thing. When I went to Maples and Calder, there were sisters working there. Husbands and wives. I was like, what? I had to tell my aunt because I remember Flossabelle and Miss Dorotha, their sisters. There were husbands and wives or even lawyers and others working their daughters and, you know, um, parents would bring kids during school. I was like, this was just an opportunity to derail me and not have me take that job, which meant that I would eventually get a scholarship to go to law school. Why? What would that be taken off of your back for me to get a second degree, to, for me to go to law school and get fully, you know, in the day that Maples gave me the scholarship, I didn't even say anything to that person because I'm like, this person genuinely could care less about my successes in life. That, that's not who I'm running to to celebrate with. These are people who don't even have conversations with you otherwise. Lavana says, uh, good morning, Sandy. You're doing great. You're doing your own therapy this morning. Talking about it helps. I'm proud of you. You know, sometimes we walk around with these things inside. It, it is a burden. And I guess there are times when you don't even realize how much of a burden you are carrying because, you know, you put it in the back of your mind. You're trying to focus on so many other things. Judy says, I always say that you see me, but you don't know me. You only know what I allow you to know. Caymanians are proud and resilient people. Speaking openly about your experiences is not easy, but it's very helpful to help with healing. Thank you so much, Judy. Uh, Jim says, as children, we sometimes um, are victims, but as adults, we are volunteers. Oh, wow. That's powerful, Jim. That's very, very powerful because what Jim is saying is you have a choice as an adult. You don't have to be part of these toxic environments and these toxic relationships. Uh, Dean says, yes, I understand you could have, but you dared to be different if you chose to rise with the eagles. Because you know what, Dean? 
it is easy. Um, it is easy, as Jim is saying now, you know, you can blame your parents, you can do all this kind of stuff. But when you become an adult, you have a responsibility to yourself to either fix it. And sometimes fixing it means just letting sleeping dogs lie. Fixing it means getting therapy. Fixing it means walking away from toxic people. But if you do not fix it, you walk around with a lot of anger and hurt. And as Sarah Sue said on Wednesday's program, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So when you are dealing with your own demons, you become, ironically, the monster. Yeah. You're the one who goes around gaslighting people. You're the narcissist. You're the one who's abusing people physically, emotionally, whatever the situation is. Because you got to deal with those inner demons first. You can't, if you, if you don't know how to love yourself and how to treat yourself good and be good with you, you can't be good with other people. You can't treat other people good. No matter how much you try, it always comes like full circle. Uh, Jackie says, hi, Sandy. I can completely relate to your experience. I also have the scars and I'm still dealing with the wounds. And, you know, sometimes it's a physical scar, the one on my thigh that will always remind me of that toxic environment. Sometimes it's the emotional scars, right? You recall people who sent things to you and did things to you and, you know, who didn't love you and they're supposed to in the order of things. Parents are supposed to love their children. Siblings are supposed to love each other. Like it's not natural to have people competing with you in that sort of a way. Like it doesn't even make any sense. But unfortunately, you know, we have a lot of dysfunctional families. We have, a, we have families that are uh, right with abuse and dysfunctionality. And you can't judge it. You can't look from the outside and, oh, you know, these people have money and this, that. I've seen some of the wealthiest families in Cayman be some of the most hateful people. They're, they're worse than people who don't have any money. Thank you, Ms. Joyce-Ann. Very, very much. She says, but all who are hurting, I want you to remember that when father, mother, sister, brother, and friends forsake you, the Lord will help you. And it is him that loves you without caring who you are or what you are. God is love and he's here with open arms. Ms. Vicky says, wow, speak your mind. It's good for you. No one can feel your pain but you. It's, uh, it's really something, you know? And um, it's, it's a challenge to all of us. Even, even the wellness, you know, we, we're talking about our wellness journey and we're focusing on losing weight and exercise, whatever. Part of wellness is your mental well-being. That, that's the most important part. Forget losing 50 pounds if in your head you're not right. We have to prioritize our emotions. There's nothing wrong with having a real, genuine, and open conversation. Jackie says, forgiveness is for you and your pain and ultimately your peace. 
And it does not mean reconciliation. And I'm so glad um, that you've said that because that is the place that I have uh, come in my life is that, you know, I've, I've attempted reconciliation with certain people and you just recognize that it's, it's a losing game. Like it's, it doesn't make any sense, right? You're not going to make any headway. And because I am focused on more important things, like getting it right as a parent, <laughs> you know, that's the relationship. Focusing on my family, just the three of us. That takes work. That takes dedication. That takes commitment. I can't save anybody if I allow myself or my family to go to hell in a handbasket. I would have failed for all of the things that I might have accomplished in life. If I fail as a parent, I have failed. I don't care about the four and five degrees. I don't care if I got two pennies in the bank. I don't care where I live, what the house looks like, what cars I'm driving. None of that matters if I fail as a parent. To hear my daughter, who's only six years old, every single day, I love you, just randomly, mommy, I love you. And to know that although I didn't have those words said to me as a child, right? Part of my journey has to be to reciprocate that in my actions and in my words. And I tell her, I love you more. Then she says, no, I love you more. And then I say, no, I love you the most. Because the next generation that comes from me is not going to have the same demons that I have had to deal with. Not if I can help it. She's not going to grow up thinking that nobody loves her. She's not going to grow up feeling abandoned by me, that's for sure. Oh no, uh-uh. That's my that's my biggest obligation. Marshall says it's easy to give um, when life throws you lemons, but through perseveration, strong will, and hope uh, gets you through any struggles that comes, uh, struggles that life comes with. Great show this morning, Sandy. I appreciate it. Alice says, Sandy, um, our own family will keep us down, but we need to know how uh, to keep them away. It's hard to do it, but we have to do what is best for us. Sometimes that's exactly what it means. Richard, good morning, says deep words, powerful words. You never know who you might be helping today. What an amazing story. And, uh, you know, I feel like you're right where you're supposed to be. So for whatever reason, we're having this conversation this morning. Like I said, this was not on the agenda. We were going to be going through cases, looking at case law, talking about Health City and the concessions. That was the planned conversation, but here we are. Somebody perhaps needed to hear this message today. Debbie says, Sandy, a lot of people don't know 
that they have mental and emotional disabilities before they can unpack, they need to first recognize that they have issues and some people do not take stock. Good morning to Don. Don says, absolutely. Morning, Tracy. Uh, Miss Vernita says, Sandy, darling, you're doing uh, all of us therapy. And there's no shame, morning to uh, Meryl, there's no shame, folks, in um, knowing that we share a collective journey of hurt sometimes and childhood trauma and abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, some of you, sexual abuse. Listen to me. A lot of people are going through something. Some of you right now are in relationships where even as an adult, as it was just said, you're a volunteer. You're, you're, you're remaining. It is, nobody's telling you that it's easy to remove yourself from that abusive husband or that abusive family member. But you do have some choices. And I think you need to step up to the plate and take control of the situation. Don't let anybody else put you in a worse situation in life. That, th their journey and their negativity cannot impact you. Don't, don't let it. You're going to have a choice. Uh, someone says, thanks for saying that, Sandra. I really needed to hear that this morning. Don't let people put you in a box. I'm thankful for you and the good work that you do through CMR. Um, I'm feeling your pain through the screen, sending you lots of love. And as the Jamaicans say, teeth not like see teeth with long bag. <laughs> I must remember that one. I have a family member message and says, please let your grand, please leave your grandparents out of your show. Let them rest in peace. Well, all I can tell you is, you know, when you speak the truth, um, a lot of people don't like it. <laughs> it's, it's true that these experiences happen. But nobody, you know, we find all these excuses um, not to speak her truth because dead people are going to be insulted that you're speaking the truth. <laughs> well, they may be thankful that the truth is actually being spoken today. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to them. I'm just speaking the truth. Because I understand that my parents' decision and the things that they did was impacted by their parents and by their parents before them and by their parents before them and by their parents before them. This is the impact that we have. Y'all heard Dr. Johnson talk about trauma being in your DNA. And if we can't even admit it, if we're not willing to say that, yes, we've had multiple generations of toxicity if that makes you uncomfortable today, I'm sorry for that, but it is the truth. Another person says, probably one of your most powerful shows 
you would have helped persons with their trajectory um, of their life and given hope. Strong wind makes uh, strong trees. Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person that you're holding it against to die. <laughs> yep. I have a friend listening, says, morning, my friend, just tuned in. But even in your weakness, you are so strong. Thank you very much. Uh, this person says, good morning. A person who is exceptionally intelligent or creative, either in general or in some particular respect, is the definition of a genius. I consider you a genius. Wow. You've offered us more than a gold bar many mornings, and you have again today. I pray God's continued comfort and guidance on you, and I support Akina. Uh, you're not taken for granted by me either. Another person says, I am with you this morning. So, you know, I'm sure after the show, a few people are going to be upset, and I can't help that. Um, because we all need to grow in life. You know, there are things that, you know, I, I find out... Um, even as I continue my journey about my own personal history. And yes, it involves decisions that grandparents may have made. And, you know, when I did my 23andMe DNA test, it's like, how do I have family in Belize? I don't know anything about that. Somebody's like, hmm, you do know that this person was stationed in Belize. And I'm like, oh, really? That's interesting. Madians, we are the best at hiding a lot of stuff, trust me. Jim says, consider the children. If there are any in physical, emotional abuse, you're only teaching these children this type of behavior is acceptable, and it's not. Uh, Debbie says, I've never seen you so vulnerable, and it has endeared your audience to you as painful as it is. Um, yeah, Debbie, I just, you know... Uh, we're having a moment today of real honesty. It's so ironic because last week we had a moment of honesty as it relates to, you know, issues in this country. And now we're having a moment of clarity and that ruby truthfulness on a personal level. So Dean says, Sandy, can I tell you that most times I placed first in class from grade one to grade nine where my schooling ended. My mom denied me grades 10 and 11, so I dropped out. However, I pursued a cosmetology course, did well with the skills in dressmaking, and schooled my own son, whom I gave my very best as a single mom. I did hairdressing in the days and evenings. Um, sorry, I did hairdressing in the days and sewing at night. And my son is so proud of his mom. Good for you. Trust me. Even with adversity, we can rise above. <laughs> Marshall is saying, how can they rest in peace? Well, like I said, you know, everybody has 
the luxury, I suppose, of living in their own reality. So there were people, even other siblings, who would not have experienced that because uh, they were not the bastard children in the family. They were not the ones whose father she hated. So they have a different perspective of her, and that's fine. I'm not saying that people are not complex and they're not capable of showing different faces and of being, you know, showing love to one child and not to another child. That's, that's the world that we live in. So when I talk about um, my own experience, I'm not saying that that person was all bad or all good or all this way or all that way. I can only tell you what I experienced. And you know, the sad thing is the way that that first conversation impacted me, that my aunt took me to, is that after that, I ended that relationship and I never went back to see my own grandmother again. Even at her funeral, I said, in death, I cannot be dishonest. I cannot go and pretend, because if you know me, you know I don't like funerals in any event. So you have to be someone really special for me to show up at your funeral. And I had other cousins like, oh, you know, we were there sitting in the family room laughing because you know, she was so mean to us and we were sharing stories about her meanness and this, that. I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to disrespect people. I'm just not going to show up. That's the truth. Charlotte says, never stop telling your truth. <laughs> Richard says, many of us have these stories, but don't have the courage or the medium through which to share it. Thank you for this. Well, thank you guys for listening as well. Um, you know, Dean says, powerful, powerful episode today, honey child. Yes, honey child. Uh, Darlene says, wonderful show. I think every Caymanian can relate to these things you've said. You become a leader in all ways. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate that. I really, really do. Caribbean Sunshine says, I'm so proud of you, Myrena. I'm with you. Thank you, Caribbean Sunshine. Susan, my sister is here, says, I love you. This is all I can say. And I really appreciate that. Um, you know, again, I'm not even judging my own siblings and how they've reacted to a situation, you know? Because when, you, when you're brought up to, okay, th these, this set is different from you. They're not as good as you. Like people tell you that in your head every single day. It becomes a challenge even as an adult for you to break out of that cycle and to forge a relationship if one is going to happen. You know, parents can impart so much dysfunction into the lives of their children and so much hate even within siblings, like treating one sibling different than the other sibling. And, you know, even in death, they do it. You know, they'll have children. They'll be like, oh, I'm going to leave this one everything and you're not getting none. It's like, wow. So, you know, we have to, as Louis rightfully says, your past doesn't define you, but Everything makes you who you are. Ms. Brenda says you have to speak your truth, even if it offends the people you love and respect. 
Thank you, Stacy. She says somebody in the family has to break the generational generational curse, and the truth hurts. Thank you, uh, Miss uh, Stacy. Dave says you're such a brave woman. You speak the truth with no fear. Your voice for the young generation, the government selling out. You're the only one I see show the love you have for your country and protecting their well-being. You remind me of the bribe, uh, Barbados Prime Minister. Oh my God, that is such a. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, I'm not so sure that's deserving, but wow, thank you. And uh, Dave says, and I do think Kima needs someone like you to lead this country. Well, I think leadership comes in uh, all shapes and forms. I need some more tissue. <laughs> I'm running out of tissue here. I think that leadership comes in different shapes and, and forms. And so when you talk about leadership, um, you know, I acknowledge my role in this community, even just having this amazing platform to be able to reach thousands of people every single day. Like what more could I possibly ask for? Um, I don't need to be a political leader. I feel like right where I am, I agitate for change. I help people in a real and meaningful way. This one right now needs her thousand dollar deposit back. You think that any politician can get that money back from her? She's already been to them. You know what they told her? Go and talk to Sandy. She's the one who's gonna help you get your money back, <laughs> right? And it's like, huh? Those are the leaders. You might be paying them money, eight, twelve thousand dollars a month to be your leader. And there's certain things that they still can't do. So how fortunate am I that I have the power and the platform to make a phone call and say, why haven't you paid this woman her deposit back? She's an NAU client. It took her a lot to find a thousand dollars. You need to get her money. Right? And nobody wants to, to, to give them, like I can't sit back and see these kind of injustices happen. I can't see helpers and I don't care where they're from sit here and be abused and taken advantage of. Just because, oh, I'm a Caymanian, I can abuse people? No. So I thank you, Dave, for your acknowledgement. And I encourage you and others to redefine how you see leaders in your community. So a leader doesn't take the same form, right? So you've got political leaders. Their, their role is, is what it is. And, you know, there, there are other people who can step up to the plate and help and resolve things in your community. All right, speaking of resolution, since my whole show went to hell this morning, quite literally, <laughs> Ms. Valerie says, thank you for this show. I was the black sheep for mother and it wasn't easy. Let's help somebody this morning. I really don't want this show to be all about me. Let's make a phone call and find out why this one can't get her deposit money back. Because I am curious about this. So we are calling the landlord named Miss Shirley. 928, let's see. I can barely see the, the number here today, child. Poor eyes. I was listening to your show, Sandy. Miss Shirley, you were listening to the show? Hi. 
Yes, sweetheart. I listen uh, to your show every day. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. Oh, so yes. this lady contacted me I'm, about her deposit money. What's what's the deal? What's going on? Okay, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. She moved out. I she has a she's an NAU client. Yes. And one thing with me, I'm straightforward. Mm-hmm. And as she's an NAU client and paid her deposit. Mm-hmm. Today is the second of September. Second of September. Mm-hmm. I got my keys mm-hmm. yesterday, the first of September. She was due to move out in um the thirty first of August. All right, no problem. She held on to the keys and on my lease, which everybody signs, uh-huh. everybody signs that you move out, I check and make sure that all bills are paid, everything is clear, the place uh-huh. is not damaged, uh-huh. and within a few days, you get your deposit. Today is what day? The 2nd of all September. Right. Okay. Second of September. So this I'm is this is just a matter of time. Then this 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 is not a situation <laughs> where because she she contacted trust me from me. Wednesday and I've not even had an opportunity to really look at it. So you have no intentions of keeping nope. her deposit. It's just a time. Me and that's never 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 will and never happen. Okay. Yesterday it's the the um first of September and that's why people need to know. Her. I will answer answer proudly because I listen uh-huh. to your phone, your your radio station every day. I appreciate you, you and I appreciate you answering the phone. Not a problem because so many people listening and when I problem. call them they don't want to answer. <laughs> no, no, no. So no, no. I keep it. Uh-huh. I keep it. I keep it one hundred. Yes, very. You understand? Good. Yes, ma'am. And I anytime anybody sign a lease on on it, it uh-huh. has stayed in all of my tenants. Yes, it stayed it on there. So maybe she I, just I, doesn't I understand. It's one month. Yeah. it should be even one month. You understand me? And and. Just yesterday, I received the keys, which is the 1st of September. I don't play them games. Okay. I don't play it. No time at all. All right. <laughs> so this will not be an issue. I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing the right thing. You right understand here. me? Yes. So, so whenever whenever the, everything is settled, then she get the balance of her deposit. Okay. Period. All right. <laughs> Very good. You good. understand? Yeah. Good to I don't hear. play it. Yeah. All right. Well, that was an easy one. Thank you. <laughs> all right all right my dear good good all right all right folks simple all right so that one sounds like just a little misunderstanding uh she's going to get you the deposit all right see so i don't know what the situation was and why she thought she wasn't going to get her deposit back because she was saying to me that you know um you know that she was under the impression that she didn't want to give her her deposit back. And she is a, she is an NAU client and you all know that NAU doesn't pay the deposit because government not going to get into the back and forth with deposit money. So, um, you know, those NAU people have to find that money out of, out of pocket. And if they're moving to some other place, they have to find that new deposit out of money as well. So that one was easy to resolve. Um, Another person says, hi, Sandy. My heart goes out to you this morning. I'm crying also. Brilliant, brilliant show. You poured your heart out and it took a lot of strength and courage to share your emotions with your CMR audience this morning. And I'm so proud of you and grateful for the opportunity to listen. I prefer to share my comments personally and via WhatsApp when you, uh, with you. Hope you don't mind. Appreciate that. 
so um, someone says to remember, smooth seas never make a skilled sailor. Ain't that the truth? All right, folks. Um, thank you, uh, Dean. So the truth, Sandy, is that you're an advocate for change. You're poised for greatness. Hence, experiences from such a tender age. Go, Sandy, go. I appreciate you guys so much um, with all the positivity. Let's listen to a message from uh, one of our sponsors this morning, the Cayman Census. This is a lot of information um, in the census report. And at some point we have to start unpacking it all because it has some serious implications for your life, my life, the life of our children. Uh, Cayman is changing ever so quickly. And I think even for the policymakers, they have to very much be on top of, of what's happening in this country and why things are changing. So let's just take a commercial break before uh, we wrap up the program today. In the mornings, no one wants to miss listening to the cold hard truth or reading CMR. Cayman's number one news platform has made your morning commute fun again. Pass this time with the cold hard truth on weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Talk radio that's engaging, entertaining, and enlightening. But be careful. Some mornings it's so hot, you might run into a bit of trouble. The population of the Cayman Islands is dynamic, diverse, and growing fast. Since the 2010 census, we have added more than 16,000 residents and almost 7,000 new households to our islands. This means that in census 2021, around 71,100 persons call the Cayman Islands home. More people than ever live in high-density apartments, which grew by 44%. Home ownership increased by 20%, and 54% of households are renting, with only 9% of households without internet connection at home. We are a diverse community with nationalities from more than 162 countries worldwide. 64% of our residents were born overseas, coming mainly from Jamaica, the Philippines, the United Kingdom, and the United States. 89% of households speak English at home. Of the 11% of persons who speak a language other than English at home, the most common ones are Spanish, Filipino, and Indian languages. With a literacy rate of 98.6%, the Cayman Islands' residents have skills and are resourceful, with 31% holding university degrees and professional designations, and another 22% completed vocational training and associate degrees. The 2021 census results show that job creation in the Cayman Islands is on the rise, increasing by more than 10,200 between 2010 and 2021. There are more than 44,400 active jobs across the Cayman Islands. Nevertheless, our community has some income inequality. The top 20% of households earn more than 45% of total income, while the bottom 20% earn less than 5%. We also have vulnerable communities that need additional support, and over 14% of unemployed citizens receive social welfare assistance. Some people in our community struggle with speaking and hearing, while others have difficulty with everyday tasks. Approximately 139 persons in every 1,000 have a disability. Among our young people, about 5% are not in school or work. More than 33% of households have children, while one-third of households are single-person living alone. The people of the Cayman Islands are religious, with over 82% of the population affiliated with a religion. 
and crime is below 2.5% among persons 15 years and older. Find out more about the Cayman Islands Census 2021 report at www.eso.ky. Recover personal injury attorneys, helping injured people get what they deserve. Did you know that insurance companies have lawyers that represent their interests? Before signing and accepting any settlement, know your rights. Call us today for a free consultation at 924-9999. That's 924-9999. Recover. Your personal injury attorneys are on standby to assist. Crichton Properties is one of Cayman's most trusted real estate companies for over 50 years. We offer a diverse selection of property listings and help our clients navigate the world of buying or selling their properties with confidence. Crichton is a name you can trust with our excellent customer service and family-friendly touch. Contact us today to list your home, land, or condo for sale by calling 949-5250 or email info at crichtonproperties.com. Crichton Properties, a trusted Cereba member. All right, folks, uh, welcome back to The Cold Hard Truth. It was a little bit cold today and a little bit extra hard, but here we are. Um, we're going to survive it all, trust me. So one of the issues that I had on the agenda today, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about it, is that we seem to have a degree of inequality um, that is happening amongst our people. And I don't always have the answers or I don't understand why the inequality is happening, but I know that it's happening. And so one of the um, ways in which inequalities happen is our immigration system. Well, what am I talking about? When you just looked at that census report. Um, you see a, I'm just asking if we can go into a little bit of overtime this morning. You see 64% of the people in this country having been born elsewhere. So if you are a foreigner listening to this program, and we have a lot of foreigners who listen to this program. In fact, speaking of surveys, when Tower Marketing did their survey, their um, annual consumption survey that they do every year, they looked at talk shows in particular. And what was really, really interesting is that when it comes to talk shows, um, CMR, this is last year, so this would have been 2020 census results. Uh, we, not, not, not the census, but Tower Marketing Report. They, uh, you know, call people randomly and they ask them a bunch of questions and then they come up with all this bit of information. So one of the interesting things that they did was they included the cold hard truth in the talk show lineup. And they looked at a lot of different things about this show. Number one, they said, most of our listeners are, um, are women, 60%. I thought, oh, that's kind of, in a way, a little bit logical to me. Although I must say that um, I, guess, I guess why I didn't, I didn't have a, I, I get it. I understand. Because even on social media until more recently, most of the people who followed CMR was a little bit more women than men. So have a look at this. Um, preferred talk show, we come in, 
in the top spot. So it said a third of the respondents preferred CMR. And then it broke it down by education, right? So who listens to us? Well, we had a pretty interesting spread. High school, um, college, and vocational. More high school graduates, but that's just because I think just more people generally are listening and they fall into that category. Uh, university versus vocational training were almost even a little bit. By income, we have people who fall into the less than $3,000 a month, 41%, and then 25 was the 3,000 to 6,000. But what I found really to be interesting is the nationality breakdown. So uh, we, we always have a strong Caymanian contingent, but for us, we have a strong Caymanian contingent, but we have, we were the only news talk show that had across the, the nationality, you know, they had like um, Caymanians, Jamaicans and others. We were pretty much even across the board, which is very, very interesting within a few percent, within a few digits. And one of the things that I'm very, very cognizant of is when people say, as a Caymanian, I feel marginalized. You know, people say it to me all the time and I make observations. So if I go into an environment and I see mostly expats, um, I see where the Caymanians congregate, where the expats congregate, and this is where we as Caymanians have a responsibility to make sure that we are somehow not marginalizing ourselves. But we have our comfort zone. Listen, as a Caymanian, you know, you understand Caymanians to a certain extent. You, you get it. You, you love certain food. You love, you know, if you speak a certain way, Caymanians are going to be like, I, I, I got you. I understand you, honey, Jill. Right? You feel more comfortable. You can be yourself. Sometimes if you have expat friends, you got to speak a little bit differently, perhaps, so they can understand you. They don't understand your love of mango and sauce. They're like, what the hell is that? If you just tell them it's pickled mango, they'll get it, though. Right? There's a lot of things that they may not get from a cultural perspective. They have an obligation coming here to immerse themselves in Cayman culture. Now, I know it's hard when you move somewhere else because I've been there. You know, you kind of gravitate towards what you know. Caribbean people, when you go overseas, the first thing you do is look to other Caribbean people to fill that gap away from home. Expats do the same thing, right? Although they're in the beautiful Cayman Islands, this is the Caribbean. When they come here, if they're English, they're going to want to go hang out at the pub. Because that's what they've been doing their whole lives. They want to watch English primarily because that's what they've been doing their whole lives. So as human beings, we have a lot of similar traits in terms of how we act. We're pack animals, how and why we do certain things. But there are times when you have to push yourself outside of that comfort zone, even when you don't like to, right? 
everybody should be trying to do a bit more of that. But surely you could understand that if you live and you reside in the Cayman Islands and you see this real number statistically, 64% of people here were not even born in this country. So when 20 fuss says Caymanians are going to be extinct by the year 2100, or people make the analogy that we're like the native iguanas, can't see too many of us anymore. You understand the sentiment. You are in the minority to even be born in this country, but to be born in this country, be a Caymanian, be multi-generational, that in and of itself is like amazing. It's like, what? You got two or three generations of being a Caymanian? Wow. That's unbelievable. And, um, <laughs> you know, people feel a certain way about protecting what we have left. And I don't think you can really blame anybody. And then things come on my radar, like this situation that I'm going to talk to you about. And this is, I'm going to talk to you about this. We'll do the news and then we're going to wrap it up and everybody's going to have a fantastic weekend. So there are people who will do anything to be able to stay in this country. And I do mean anything. That is why we have these marriages of convenience. Yes. People will come here. They will get in relationships with people that they don't really like. They don't want to be in relationships with. They could care less about. But to be able to remain and live in this country is far better than where they're coming from. So that's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to go to bed every single night with somebody that you really don't care for, but you're just using them. They're an ends to, uh, they're means to an end. Yeah. And that's real people. That is real. So some of you are in relationships with people who don't like you. <laughs> they don't like your people. And when you start to have children with them, it might become a little bit obvious because all of a sudden they're going to start isolating themselves from you and your folks. They're going to teach your Caymanian children their culture, none of the Caymanian culture. Now you have to be the smarter one here. You can't allow people to use you. For, I mean, come on now. We have people who come here and they break the laws of this country, right? They get their anchor babies and they do the most and they still expect to be able to live and remain in the Cayman Islands. And I'm gonna give you one such example here this morning. Y'all remember this young lady, pretty face. Her name, I can't remember her name now. Ilalin. Um, Kirkernal, something, 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 something. And she's not related to the Kirkernals here. It's so funny how we have all these names from all over the place, but you guys might remember her. Does anybody remember? Uh, let me let me test your memory. Those of you who've been following the platform for a minute. Do you recall why she was featured on CMR. Anybody who can remember this is going to win a prize here today. What do we got? What do we got? We got some beautiful waffle monkey gift certificates. Oh, I know what I'm going to give you all today. I'm going to give you a four in one 
device charger. So you can charge all of your devices from one single thing. It's got the four little extensions on it. You got your USB, your regular um, uh, USB-C, the regular USB port. So if you got an Android phone, Apple phone, whatever, you're covered. Does anybody remember? <laughs> so Queen's like, was she scamming? Well, y'all look close. Get a little bit more specific. Um, CC said they're having relationship or having children in case the relationship don't work. Yeah, that's how they're gonna anchor themselves. She says, bear paper Caymanians being racist towards us, born and raised Caymanians, make it make sense. Theft. Yeah, not from the bank. Anthony, she did steal. Does anybody remember what she stole though? Because this one was so interesting because of what it was. Nope, not a marriage of convenience. Well, not yet. She's probably working on that next. Anthony, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you. Mark said from a bank, so it wasn't from a bank. Uh, I'm gonna give you both a certificate though, because you're right. She is a thief. Yes, convicted, gone to court, stole money. So I'm I'm free to call her that. Here is the article. Sales clerk convicted. Her sentencing was postponed back in September of 2019 for stealing for $400 theft. Now, this is stupid. You ruined your own name for $400, Lord Jesus. But, you know, this is when she was just starting out. <laughs> Akrina said, did she steal draws? <laughs> no. Ah, so she stole um, from her employer who happened to be priced right back in August of 2018. So what she did was she did a return at a 40 inch TV and pocketed the money for herself from the cash drawer. Hmm. Guess what? She's still in the Cayman Islands. Not only did she steal from her employer, but she's gone on to work illegally in the Cayman Islands, was picked up by enforcement. My sources said maybe it was about last year. Was picked up by enforcement for working illegally, fined for that, paid an administrative fine, because most of those cases you never hear about in the criminal court because um, works has the power, formerly immigration, to administratively fine them. It's still a breach of the law. And it demonstrates someone who doesn't care about any of our laws. Stealing, immigration law, don't care. For the past six months, she has been in this country and people are asking me, how is this possible? How is she still here? And I'm asking the powers that be, how is she still here? They keep giving her extension after extension because supposedly she is waiting on a cabinet work permit or some kind of cabinet grant to be able to remain in this country. Excuse me? What? Somebody make it make sense. Pretty face, yeah. And so I'm asking some questions myself. I'm like, a cabinet what? A cabinet who? A cabinet permit? For what? 
what would be making her special? What would make her special to be able to get a cabinet work permit or cabinet permit? Cabinet members, I'm asking y'all here today. Who who all's in cabinet? The premier, uh, Mr. Honorable Wayne Panton, Honorable Chris Saunders, Honorable Kenny Kenneth Rankin, um, Kenneth Bryan, um, Honorable Sabrina Turner, Honorable Jay Ebanks. Who else we got? Honorable Andre Ebanks. Mm, Honorable Bernie Bush. Is that it? could be it. I can't remember. Anybody else? Y'all better not give this girl no permit. Works. Why y'all keep giving her time? Six months on time? There are people in this country who have more of a connection to the Cayman Islands who have not been so lucky. So what is it about her that is getting her the luck? Now y'all know there's a lot of shadiness going on in this country. Al Ray says, maybe it's the pretty face. Well, she, uh, pretty face, something else probably going on here. I am not beyond, I, I'm not naive. I know what y'all be, some of y'all be doing, so-called elected officials. Some of you, a married man, a family man, married and family, my behind. Mm-hmm. A little pinch and a little squeeze and you ready to give away the whole kitten and caboodle in this country. Y'all need to stop that foolishness. I mean, y'all want to talk about talk to the average person in the street about marriages of convenience and, and, you know, caring more about your country and standing for the right thing. When y'all as, as elected officials doing the same foolishness and for far less, I must add, for a little tumble in the sheets or even the potential promise of something, y'all better get it together. Somebody please call anybody at works. Who, who's had a who's had a works now anyway? They kept changing so much that I've forgotten. Why is she still in this country? How is it? Yeah, Chantel, that's what I'm questioning myself. How is it that she remains here and continues to get time on what special dispensation is this happening? You see, we need to start calling out this kind of foolishness on a national level. Working illegally, stealing from people. And this is what y'all want to keep her in this country? Y'all have got to be crazy. Of all the people we need to keep, this ain't it. (laughs) I'm sorry, but this ain't it. We need to... To, to want people of some degree of caliber. There should be standards. You know why she's running to cabinet? Because nobody else is going give it to her. She's not going to be able to get it through any other route because she's already a criminal, convicted thief, convicted for breaching immigration laws, has no respect for the laws of this country. So she's going to run to all seven, eight people because she's more likely to convince one of them to be her... Savior, y'all need to have this make sense to me because I'm not understanding it. Good morning, caller. Hello? Caller, are you there? Hello, hello, hello? No? Maybe that's her calling in. Maybe she was going to give us an explanation that we wanted to hear. 
You got to, you got to speak up when I call you now. When you call in. Uh, CBC is giving her the time. Yes, but she's been given the time because she's given them the story about how she's waiting on some permit from um, cabinet to be able to stay here. Six months later, she's still here. El Rey says, sounds like she's earned the right to be gone. <laughs> you better believe that. Mm-hmm. Yes, child, sip that tea because something ain't right. So I don't know, in the name of all the turtle stew in the Cayman Islands, what is really going on here, but something not right. And so we have to ask the question, why is she still here? 64% of the people in this country were not born in the Cayman Islands like her. And we accept to a certain extent, we need foreign workers because we don't have enough Caymanians for all these jobs, this economy that we've created. But there's certain things that we should do in setting a standard of who we want to bring into this country. Now, hey, sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we think the person's a good person. And uh, a lot of times they're not. But if we know it beforehand, can we please not invite them to be one of us? Okay. We know that she has not earned the right folks to be one of us. That being the case, folks, don't do it. Cabinet, I don't know what y'all thinking or if you're thinking at all. If you bothered to even look into this situation, this young lady coming and begging you a favor, let me encourage you to do your homework. Because we, the people, deserve better. You know, when we're asking you for decent representation, it's stuff like this that y'all need to stop engaging in. We don't want representatives who are going to be promising people favors, whether it's the big time developer who will be contributing nothing to this community, or if it's the local Honduran thief mm -hmm. who had a good job or at least a job at price, right? Making money, right? Schemes and, you know, takes $400 from her employer. And when you go on her social media page, the girl don't look like she need and want for anything. Going out drinking every weekend, all up in the bars drinking and having the most fun ever. So y'all tell me, this is what we want? This is the caliber of what we're importing into this country? It can't be. It just doesn't make any sense. But yep, that's her. Six months of extensions. There are people here who have more Caymanian connections who are kicked out of this country quicker than this. They're not given six months of time. She must be pretty confident that cabinet is going to be approving whatever foolishness this is. 
the special permit. I'm like, really? Mm-mm-mm. Y'all have got to do better. I mean, truly got to do better. That's one example, folks, of how we get it wrong. One example of us missing the mark. Right? If you want to come to the Cayman Islands and you want to get all the benefits of being here, uh, living in this community, whether that means a safer life for you, whether that means, you know, more, uh, better financial security, whatever, you got to play by the rules. And the rules, the most basic of rules are you can't be a criminal. You can't go around stealing from people. You can't steal from your helper or your, um, you can't steal from your helper either, but you can't steal from your workers. You can't steal from coworkers. You can't steal from companies that decide to take out a work permit for you. You can't abuse people. You can't be physically abusive. You know, they're just some basic expectations that we have if you want to remain in this community. And if you don't make the grade, then you don't make the grade. And when it comes time for you to leave, you got to pack up and go. Cece says her body might be the master tool. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Marshall hitting the nail on the head. Says, yeah, it's that straight here to making those politicians go crazy in the Spanish. Boom, boom. Uh Truth be told, we know. And some of these politicians, they're so nasty. They go around promising people all kind of stuff. They're the ones who are really selling themselves and, and by extension, selling the country down the road as well. Well, we the people have had enough of it. So I'm asking today. Now, I don't know who's in charge of works. Like I said, I can't even keep up anymore. But whoever you are, I am asking you to please Do not give this girl, well, somebody said it'd be CBC. There is no reason to give her a further extension. Cabinet, respond to the young lady and deny her application, if she's made one. Deny the application for a cabinet grant or permit or whatever the heck y'all are supposed to be giving her. Because I see no merit for this. Sasa says in the higher-ups in some of these same government departments, We'll look out for her too. Corruption. Yes. Because they're hoping they can get a date too. They want a date night. Mm-mm. Y'all so scandalous with your behavior. Y'all would be surprised how some of these girls get to stay here. And they pass them around like the proverbial bicycle. Everybody getting a turn, child. And then they sit down and they, they, they talk about it as though it's something to brag about, you know. Denver wants to know where she's from. She's from Honduras. And yes, um, you know, we, we hear the stories about what they be up to. And some of them be dating. See, same girl will have five connected boyfriends, one or two MPs sharing her. Then she got another boyfriend who's a business owner. And then she got another one who wants to be in politics. Y'all are so sloppy and so messy. Ew. Yeah, that happens for real right here in the Cayman Islands. And who do we have to blame? Well, Tracy says CBC is to blame. They allow persons uh, who no longer have a work permit to remain as long as they can. 
to show that they have someone supporting them at funds and this is a foolishness and they should not have been given more than two weeks to pack up and leave. Mm-mm-mm. Cece says, but Sandy, who is it that Johan mentioned sending out nudes out of their, uh, what is this, muscatool? Muscatool? Oh, of their musket. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, I just figured out what that meant. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, yes. Your hand be all up in the sus. Your hand is so shady. Where is your hand this morning? You always be talking about why is this news, but he'd be the first one to talk about. Yeah, it's, it was only this big. I saw the photo. I'm like, Johan, try and behave yourself. Anyway, folks, I wanted to highlight that one today. That was on the agenda to discuss today. There we go. There we have it. Uh, keeping thieves and overstayers and people who breach immigration laws in the country so that they can continue to break the laws of this country. That's that's what we're all about, apparently. I can't tell you who it was, CC. I will send you the photo and you can figure it out for yourself. <laughs> Listen, folks, on Monday, because we didn't get to talk about concessions, let's unpack on Monday the um, situation with Help City. It is a lot to talk about concessions, to talk about the lawsuit uh, that just came down the pipeline, to talk about Health City as an institution, what are they bringing to the table, and to really set some things right. Because there's a lot of, again, talk in the community. A lot of people are saying things that are actually not right. And they're saying it just because they don't like Health City. And you, you don't have to like Health City. I'm not here to tell you to, help, to like Health City or not like Health City. But I think what you have to do is in your opinions where you say, oh, they're breaching this, they're not doing this, not it, you, you got to be factual. And there are people who've said things about Health City that actually isn't factual. Even to people we don't like, let's be fair and speak the truth on those people. Don't make up stuff on people now. Don't make up stuff on institutions or companies if it don't really go so. Marshall says these people at works aren't any different from the politicians are giving their extended time when they should send them home. She's a convicted criminal. Well, for the world of me, um, I don't understand it. Dean says, can't believe Cayman gets so sloppy when usually they visit there. Um, when I usually visit there, it was so strict. Yeah, the sloppiness is, is, trust me, it's on fleek these days. Uh, stay tuned for the news. Thanks to Chuck and the folks over at Bobo for allowing me to um, go into overtime this morning. Uh, don't miss a beat with CMR. Please be safe over the weekend, folks. And we'll see you back here Monday morning at 7.30. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. Pent-up demand and robust growth in financial services led to an expansion in domestic output for the year 2021, with the real gross domestic product estimated to have expanded by 1.8%. This was the highlight of the Cayman Islands Annual Economic Report 2021, released by the Economics and Statistics Office. Strong demand for consumer goods and real estate propelled growth in supporting sectors. Despite strong local and international demand, the closure of the island's ports for most of the year led to a decline in tourism and travel-related services. 
at the end of 2021, the central government's operating deficit, less its operating expenditures, stood at $18.1 million. But when capital expenditures and capital investments are taken into account, the total expenditures and investments exceeding operating revenues by $117.2 million. The Ministry of Sustainability and Climate Resiliency accepted a generous donation of $20,000 from Rotary Central of the Cayman Islands in support of its Planet Tree for the Jubilee Initiative. The majority of the donated funds will facilitate the purchase of native, endemic, and fruit trees for donations to constituencies, schools, and nonprofit organizations across Grand Cayman. A delegation of Cayman Islands government representatives led by Premier and Minister for Sustainability and Climate Resiliency, the Honorable Wayne Panton, recently traveled to the Bahamas to participate in the Caribbean Regional Heads of Government meeting in preparation for the COP27. Delegates met to discuss four thematic areas of importance to the Caribbean region, mitigation, adaptation and loss and damage, support and cross-cutting issues such as transparency and reporting. Premier Panton said the conference provided meaningful opportunities for relationship building with regional counterparts and collaboration between the United Kingdom overseas territories on a needs-oriented strategic approach. The Cayman National Cultural Foundation has announced a significant donation by a family with close ties to the Cayman Islands. The donated artworks are two mixed-media images by Miss Gladwin K. Lassie Bush and a watercolor painting by U.S. artist and longtime visitor Mrs. Betty Wood. The Miss Lassie paintings were gifts by the South Sound artist to Mrs. Wood and then later regifted to her daughter Mrs. Sarah Louise Woodham. In explaining the donation, Mrs. Woodham said it's where they need to be and where they'll be most appreciated and enjoyed for years to come. Police continue to look for Luisto Eusebio Hernandez in relation to firearm offenses. He is considered armed and dangerous and should not be approached. If seen, call 911 immediately. The search is still on for two missing men. 53-year-old Noel Paul Manning has been missing since June 24th and 26-year-old Adrian Williamson has been missing since July 6th. Now you are asked to contact your nearest police station if you see them. Stormwatch 2022 is brought to you by Home Gas, your propane experts before, during, and after the storm. The National Hurricane Center is tracking Tropical Storm Danielle, which is located about 950 miles west of the Azores. This tropical storm does not pose a threat to any land. It's what we call a fish storm. Now, models show that this storm is going to stay out at sea and then turn into a hurricane. Another system being watched is east of the Leeward Islands, those in the U.S. and British Virgin Islands, Anguilla, St. Martin, Montserrat, and a few others in that area need to pay very close attention to it. There is a high chance of it turning into a depression or named tropical storm by the weekend. The third system being monitored is in the eastern tropical Atlantic off the coast of Africa. Now the window for this storm to develop is quickly closing. Environmental conditions will make it very hard for this system to develop. So far we've made it to Danielle on the list and we have to wait to see if the system approaching the Leeward Islands will become Earl. We are now in September which is when the tropics tend to get a lot busier so be storm ready Cayman. Now for your CMR weather update it's brought to you by WG Charters sunrise at 610 mixed clouds and sun with some scattered thunderstorms have your umbrella or rain handy just in case. 
the temperature rises to the high 80s and when the high temperature is at 87 degrees Fahrenheit and the relative humidity is at 73% like the forecast calls for, the temperature will feel around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Winds east at 10 to 20 miles per hour and the sun sets at 639. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the low 80s. Looking forward, shower activity for Saturday remains a bit elevated, but it does decrease by Sunday and the beginning of next week. Remember, it's summertime, so those hot days, warm nights with scattered showers are very typical for this time of year. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Now for some regional and international news. In Pakistan, deadly flooding from an unprecedented monsoon season has destroyed lives, livelihoods and infrastructure in what its climate minister has called a serious climate catastrophe. Some 33 million Pakistanis have been affected by the flooding since it began in June. It has killed more than 1,100 people, including hundreds of children, and the death toll is expected to rise. Global aid in the form of tents, food and medicine is starting to arrive from China, Turkey, the United Arab Emirates, the European Union has also pledged financial support and the US will provide $30 million in humanitarian aid to support the floods. The head of a Russian oil company that spoke out against the war in Ukraine has died after reportedly falling out of a hospital window. He is the second employee of the company to be found dead this year. A statement read, Ravil Maganov immensely contributed to the development of not only the company but the entire Russian oil and gas sector. The Economic Commission for Latin America and the Caribbean is projecting that St. Lucia's economy will realize the highest GDP growth among Eastern Caribbean country union member states in 2022. The sound fiscal policies rooted in the Philip J. Pereira administration's maiden budget for 2022 and 2023 have set the nation's GDP to increase by up to 8% this year. Jamaica has recorded two additional cases of the monkeypox virus, bringing the island's number of cases to seven. Dr. Christopher Tufton, Minister of Health and Wellness, stated that the additional cases were discovered on Wednesday. There is no evidence to suggest to this point that they were imported cases, but it is an indication that the virus is out there and more people are being exposed to it. Tufton added that the first set of vaccines to treat monkeypox disease is expected to arrive in Jamaica this month. Jamaica again dominated as top provider of tourism destination services in the Caribbean when it received half the awards at the World Travel Awards Ceremony in Montego Bay Wednesday night. Jamaica won 26 of the 52 awards, including the top destination and tourist board categories. That's it for now on The Daily Buzz. Thank you for joining me. Please stay safe and God bless. for tuning in to another episode of the cold hard truth on bobo 89.1 fm cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7 30 a.m never miss an episode again watch anytime on cmr's facebook and youtube channels for the latest show episodes don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit caymanmarlroad.com for all the latest news and community happenings 